And so this play, is uh, Christmas. And what have you done? Another year over. And a war is just begun. Is over. Fucking hell. All right. Merry Christmas. Uh, Bleakers. I'm congested. Yeah, we're both. <laughs> Darcy's rougher than I am today. <laughs> I'm not doing fantastically either. But we're going to give you a Christmas special episode because we just fucking missed a bunch of episodes. We had stuff. I had stuff. I've been moving house, listener. I had stuff as well. I had a fucking really big, uh, uh, you know, PhD fucking situation Ugh. to get into. Well, that sounds like a you problem. It is a, it is a me problem, but it finished. Uh, it That's ended just up a in response the... I learnt recently from a nice person. Mm. I'm trying to use it as often as possible. Yeah, good. Bring it back. I think <laughs> it's like 15 years old, maybe. That saying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, yeah. And then you were moving house and then, uh, I was moving house. Robin's down the peninch. She's gone, peninch. she's gone back to the wilderness. Cool. On yeah. a spiritual journey. Nice. <laughs> so me and dad are moved in together to be happy bachelors. Ah, cool. Happy broke bachelors. <laughs> nice. Nice one. But we're Andy for the market, which is nice. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Anyway. So, that's so our way of saying, we're back as a Christmas present. Yeah. QED to you. Yep. Yep. Uh, I guess we can run that fucking song. <laughs> a modest house, a picket fence, a couple kids, some common sense, a job to pay your mortgage or your rent. And all these goals are understood, but misery is a public good, so come and feed your sorrows till you spend. Well, just to come, the captain said, the icebergs are the dead ahead, the men will keep the engines fed, I have a deal with God. We're at the end of history, there ain't a hope for you or me, when workers philanthropically believe in the economy. But what a feast for tired eyes, the poison earth, the boiling skies, and everyone their own damn spies, remember when the world was wise, we know, no, no. All right, let's uh, let's try to regain our rhythm because I think that anybody can tell that we've got a little bit of ring rust. <laughs> we've got a little bit this... of ring rust because we were scraped off the bottom of somebody's shoes this morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not doing so well. Darcy's not doing so well. I hurt my back cleaning the house yesterday, which means that I'm now going to get life insurance and draw up a will. Darcy got into a fight with. A literal stranger. I got slapped in the face leaving a lavatory last yeah. night. <laughs> Which is always a fucking interesting way to spend the night being assaulted by a stranger. Not the first stranger that you've been assaulted by, by the way. Yeah, but this is the first time I've done nothing to provoke it, in fairness to the other people who I've fought with. Yeah. Well, yeah. All right. I used to be quite a, an unpleasant person to be around at a certain hour in the morning. Well, but, didn't you get punched in the back of the head by some young larrikin that was just oh, running along the road? Oh, but that was happening a fair bit on Swan Street at the time. That wasn't a... It was just part of the course, yeah. Yeah. A lot of people got hit in the back of the head that night, I think. Of... <laughs> yeah. He had um, a very sore hand when he woke up. Uh, all right. So we're going to start this fucking disaster of a, of a Christmas special. <laughs> With a bit of a, a generational game because it's it's the fucking it's the flavor of the season generational warfare at the moment. It is. There's there's been lots of uh, accusations flying from the fingers of millennials to boomers and boomers to millennials. 
Uh, and Generation X is there posting shitty memes about drinking wine. In Gen the X of are it. quietly making <clears throat> bank while their parents and children throttle each other. Yeah. <laughs> I find myself in the in the unenviable position of occupying the boomer side of the dynamic when Zoomers weigh in, because it turns out that a lot of them don't like millennials very much, which feels like a fucking betrayal, because honestly, I think we've copped a lot. But I do respect that they have grown up in an even more broken world. Yeah, but uh, we're like just shitty prototype Zoomers. That's true. They're a much more perfected version of us. I'm going to do that. It, it won't affect the, the recording. But no, it's good. I don't need to hear myself. I'm having a, terrible. a pumping thing in my head. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there was... We leave there was, that suffering to you, dear listener. <laughs> there was uh, that, that thing that happened on, on Twitter that I was telling you about before where one prominent boomer uh, said, try replacing the word boomer with the word Jews and see where that gets you. And a big fight broke out, which I... Uh, regrettably found myself <laughs> deeply involved with screaming back at them why it's very telling that you would fucking consider yourself to be the Jews of that particular metaphor which I'll remind you that I didn't deploy that you evoked <laughs> the spirit of the holocaust to deal with the the, <laughs> the fact that millennials are complaining about house prices <laughs> fuck off so so it's I the think f- it's a totally unproblematic analogy to have Jews as the hoarders of wealth <laughs> being righteously persecuted by an oppressed and uh, economically broken majority. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's what's going on in the zeitgeist at the moment. The fucking, the boomers and the millennials are at it again. As we, as uh, we will be, we're going to miss them when they die. I feel I'm going to miss the ones that I personally know. I'm not going to miss the demographic as a whole. I think, well, obviously there's the fact that there are good people amongst, Mm. this is a disclaimer before the show, we don't approve of any kind of widespread indiscriminate prejudice against an entire generation of greedy, life-sucking psychopaths who've condemned the world (laughs) to being their single-use fucking playground. Yeah. But um, I, I just feel like there's going to be a huge emptiness in our lives. Yeah. Because it's not just going to be like, oh, the boomers die, and mm. then we can all relax and everything will be fine. It's mm. the boomers die, everything is still fucked, and we can't scream at them about it anymore because they're under the ground. Yeah, yeah, that will be a big <laughs> we'll problem. We'll just be left without that. The only solace they provide us with is that we can, you know, shout at them and they respond all the time. Every yeah, time. yeah, they're extremely <laughs> thin-skinned, and it's good because you can't get into an argument with a bushfire, but you can with a boomer. Exactly so. Uh, yeah. Not to, obviously, generational warfare is a distraction from the true dynamic of class warfare but that's also become a cliche right yes and it's they're they're a demographic with particular material forces that acted on them uh at different times in their life they fucking they don't escape demographic scrutiny i'm a straight white dude right i'm not well you say that yeah that's true i do uh who knows uh no i'm i'm pretty close to the top of the fucking hegemon yeah. Uh, me, me, I'm even closer because I'm half Jewish. <laughs> uh, so when it comes to the to the only people, or the only demographic or identity construct with more fucking privilege and power than me, I'm not letting them go <laughs> away. It's my turn to gripe and teach them about the lessons that I learned about checking privilege and shit. <laughs> 
fucking ghouls. Anyway, uh, you, you proposed a generation game to... I to thought it'd be nice to start off with a generation game, because as I was moving house, I discovered some artifacts that I possess that are, well, I can only describe as boomer artifacts. Yeah. They're not really appropriate for <clears throat> a young person to own. Yeah. So I thought it'd be fun if we talked about traits that we have. Yep. That are reminiscent of the Gen X and the boomer people. Okay. That we, that we make fun of them for being like, yet yeah, have tra- yeah, trace elements of in our own chemical makeup. All right, cool. Uh, so I can start if you like. Yes, please. So, so my... I'm fucking around with the <laughs> only half listening to that. But yes, we're identifying... So if I can't hold <clears throat> your attention, this show's doomed. You did hold go. my attention, so much I've so got... that I wanted to fuck around with the levels <laughs> and then fuck it up and set it right again. We should have done some sort of sound testing before we recorded. That's not how we roll. It's not how we roll. a Christmas special. So everyone listening, I assume, will be familiar with um, reactionary uh, cartoonist Larry Pickering. Uh, he, for those who are not, he's a men's rights activist and extremely um, anti-left mm. uh, man who... I don't know if he still does political cartoons for News Corps. Mm. He definitely used to. Um, and he is actually quite good at drawing. To, I'll give him his due there. But he's got a blog if you want to check out Larry Pickering's thoughts about the world. Right. Uh, I, have a, I have a book by Larry Pickering. Or rather, it is... So it, it's an illustrated accompaniment to C.J. Dennis's song of a sen- The Song of a Sentimental Bloke. Okay. Which is a beautiful series of poems published in the early 20th century mm. about a working-class man and his working-class wife living in Melbourne. All right. And the sentimental bloke is essentially a deranged but sweet man trying to find meaning and order in a horrible colonial outpost. Yeah, okay. Uh, I can't relate. <laughs> surprisingly woke book for the early 20th century. Yeah, it sounds say. like it. CJ um, that has a, has a whole bit about... Uh, the impact of colonialism on the native population of Australia mm. and how little it benefits anyone who actually is working the stolen land. Yeah. But it's that's I mean, a aside. An aside to the aside is like we always assume that we're kind of at the apex of whatever cultural arc that this country is on, but actually a lot of the dull reactionary denialism in all sort of cultural issues today is the result of a concerted effort to find people like this and to strangle their fucking work. Yeah, well, I feel like a similar thing happened with Kenneth Cook, who years before anybody was talking about fucking toxic masculinity as a construct, was writing books about the fucking absolute violence of traditional Australian male constructs. He wrote, you know, Wake and Fright and a beautiful film. <clears throat> and um, Bloodhouse is like a, a short little like pulp novella thing that he did about a slaughterman which is just and and date rape and stuff and it's like this is yeah sexual violence is a huge part of a huge theme in his work i think you're definitely right because cj dennis used to be like when australia had a much more militant and active left Mm. chunk of the public um 
and trade unionism was like a normal part of working life. Yeah. C.J. Dennis was actually a really popular and famous poet in Australia who's now yeah. been effectively wiped out by the education system. He's yeah. unheard of. It um, happened a lot. Because, I don't know, <clears throat> our cultural apparatus is bad at its job. Maybe less so now than it used to be, but <clears throat> yeah, in terms of actually taking pride in... Uh, we we tend to leave aside... It's, it's an interesting phenomenon that effective critics of the Australian project and system mm. are dismantled with extreme speed. Yeah. Um, and the ones who... If you like C.J. Dennis is an example, but Banjo Patterson mm. and Henry Lawson mm. had as many poems that were critical of the Australian project as were sentimental about it, yeah. and they have all been completely forgotten. Yeah, it's like it's quite hard to get hold of anything by Banjo Patterson that isn't a two-dimensional kind of homage <clears throat> to his tough frontier friends. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, let's. But clearly, yeah, so we it, need some fucking bullwhip action. Yeah, here, I was about to say. Are, so, so my most boomer artifact is I have. It's a Pickering, right? Yeah, you're talking about yes. So my most boomer artifact is I have a copy of the song of the sentimental bloke that is illustrated in watercolor by Larry Pickering. Okay. Which I purchased secondhand so as not to give him royalties. Okay, well that's good. That's okay. <laughs> that's your most boomer artifact. Fuck! What do I own? That's. Oh, it's, it's closely followed by, I was very embarrassed to discover from childhood, a copy of uh, Tintin in the Congo, which mm. is Hergé's definitely most yeah. racist thing he you ever probably, did. You could probably get a little bit of money for that if you <laughs> <laughs> want to furnish some terrible racist with I, some literature. I'm, I'm going to keep it so that I can survive the purge <clears throat> when, when the riot come. I'll be like, oh, that's the your life. will kick the door in and I'll be there with... See, with Larry Pickering and Tintin in the Congo. Yeah. Like, hey, guys, just reading some books about how great we are. <laughs> it's your, your hastily thrown up swastika flag. <laughs> yeah. All right. Interesting. I don't know if I own anything that reactionary. I've got a, like, a, a two-CD encyclopedia of jazz collection, which feels... Encyclopedia. That's very boomer. Yeah. For sure. But it's not, like, uh, angry in the same way. But yeah, that, that it doesn't have to be angry though. <laughs> no, well, good. But, but that, boomer co that comes from uh, not. Remember, it wasn't always defined by like directionless mm. fury. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. Used, it used to be an optimistic culture. <laughs> That's true. That was like maybe a sixteenth birthday present because I played clarinet, which I feel is quite a boomer instrument. Really, it is. Uh, and then I asked for, I got Led Zeppelin, Artie which is my, maybe my Generation X artifact, and, uh, and, and an encyclopedia of jazz, which I treasure. That's pretty cool. I've, I've got a, I've got a um, swinging jazz violin CD somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've got a ton of the learn tons of those learning ones somewhere at my parents' <laughs> house that are just like, you know, like big Bond themes or something, but just <laughs> yeah. with, <laughs> but instead of like, a, a, like, extremely fucking vibrant, bright brass section. It's just one fucking 14-year-old kid on a clarinet and being like... Buh, 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 buh. Now try in common time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. All right. So where, where, where does the game go now? Well... Oh, we've got to identify... 
I was thinking attributes. Attributes. Okay. Do you like, do you have a personal characteristic, a, an element of psychology mm. that you consider might be a boomer thing? Uh, that's a terrifying question. I know the answer is yes, but now I have to fucking search back through the haunted cavern of my brain to identify one that's not going to fucking cancel me. Uh, fuck. I don't know. Do you have something at the ready? <clears throat> I definitely... Some time, so Some thinking time? This is tied up in another mm. thing, which is I, I, I enjoy books on language. And at yeah. various times in my life, I have had books on language by extremely reactionary people. And one mm. of them is uh, The King's English by mm. Kingsley Amos. Yeah. Um, yep. Who is Martin Amos's father. Yeah, yeah. And Old what- Kingsley, the stern, <laughs> the proto, the, the archetypical fucking withholding father. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of, I'd say two thirds of Martin's books are directly <laughs> Kingsley's fault. Yeah. So he, he was a nice um, kind of lefty boomer. Mm. Until he, oh, was he a boomer? Was he? No, he was. A, he was like very early model boomer. Yeah, I yeah. think because he was too young to have been silent generation. A silent generation. He could have been a silent boy, but yeah, I don't know. Because I remember he was he was young enough to be appalled by the Soviet invasion of Hungary, okay. and that is why he abandoned the left and became. A massively sexist bigot. I mean, that's the excuse that he <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It was that and that alone. It may also have been the fact that Lucky Jim sold really well and suddenly he had money. <laughs> yeah. Kingsley Amos, when was he born? He was born in 1922, so he's... Oh, so he is... He's pre for sure. He's yeah, fuck. Okay, so he, he, he... For a man so full of anger, he mm. stayed looking surprisingly youthful for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's always the way, isn't it? That you fucking... If you're monstrous, you have some bizarre animus that keeps you alive. And if you're good, you end up looking like fucking Roger Ebert. <laughs> a skeleton turning to soup inside your uh, thing. So you enjoy books on language. Yeah. So, but that has, uh, it's less of a problem now, but it did make me for quite, for far too long, mm. um, far too interested in how other people were communicating with me to the point where I was very obviously extremely rudely just listening to their language, not to what they were saying to me. Yeah. And so a definite boomer trait of mine is a tendency towards solipsistic analysis of people as objects of interest, not as like other human beings. Yeah. That need to be cared for and interacted with. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's fair enough. That <laughs> but one just as a series with... of experiences. Okay. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Supporting character shit. Fuck. Uh, now there are a lot of ways, a lot of like gestures and shit in which I recognise the ghost of my father haunting me, despite the fact that he's still alive. And he's he's a, a very boomer kind of guy in a benign in a benign way. But in terms of characteristics, what would it be? Hmm. Maybe, oh shit. 
Mm, Kieran's know. struggling with this reflection roll. It's like, uh, yeah. uh, I've got another. I'm sure that they're there. That they're there. All right, go for it. See, my mistake was instead of thinking about myself, I started listening to what you were saying <laughs> when you were expounding on. I think my, my most overwhelming mm. boomer trait is almost definitely mm. a lack of critical self-reflection regarding, you know, the various political and economic forces that have put me together. Yeah. I do talk about them. I've talked about them on this show. Yeah. But it's extremely recently that I became in any way self-aware regarding the uh, yeah, forces yeah. that had thrown me together. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll cop to that one as well. It's like, yeah, and it's it can be extruded in quite reactionary ways, right? When you're oh, like, absolutely. I'm a good person, and it's like, well... Fuck off! Like yeah. <laughs> you've spent your entire childhood and young adulthood in like particular educational institutions with a particular set of. And we uh, can blame some of it on the resources. monster factories for sure, yeah. but there was like a solid, at mm. least uh, you can't count like actual childhood. I don't think that's fair, but yeah. I think you can count from like fifteen, sixteen onwards. Yeah, which would give both of us a good fifteen years. Yeah. Of just extreme intellectual sloth and smugness, really. Yeah, yeah. I I thought as I think this is not unique to uh, to me. I think a lot of writing students have this thing. But I thought when I started my writing education that it was like I was gonna be fucking famous young. This was my idea, right? And part of that was a conscious like persistence uh, thing. You know, you you tell yourself this so that you can keep going. But part of me thought that, and now every now and again, apart from the fact that I look back on the shit that I was writing and it was terrible, so thank God it never reached an audience, but also like I, I will wake up in a cold sweat imagining what I would be like if I'd gotten famous then before self-awareness had ever had a chance to kick in. And let's say we're living in a fantasy fucking version of Australia where you can actually make some money off of writing. <laughs> And so you get famous and you make some money. I would be like the worst fucking little Jonathan Franzen clone ever. <laughs> like, <clears throat> into, I would still hate Jonathan Franzen, but I would have exactly the same I disgusting mean, yeah, set of At least as much as he traits. despises himself, presumably. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. That, which I think it stems from that like, lack of self-awareness. I'll cop to that. And, and I'll also cop to, to this one. Uh, I fucking love a winery tour. <laughs> I really do. And then uh, they, you know, you gotta you gotta put aside a little bit of money for them, but they can be you know you can spend like if you've got if you it's a special event if you've got a hundred spare bucks, you go to the city, you get on a bus, they drive you out to wineries, you fucking hang out with boomers all day. That is an <laughs> astonishingly boomer occupation. Yeah, but sure. you get it's like you get your money's worth of lunch and wine or like. Not a good value, but you know it's. A you nice don't feel day. betrayed by the service. It's a very pleasant little day, and it's I've like never been on a winery tour. You gotta, you gotta do it, man. We'll do it one day. All right, on some special in fifteen years when I have spare disposable we'll income again. Have scraped anything together, yeah. Yeah, uh, no, nah, it's good. I've done it a couple of times. Once in in Adelaide, and once in Melbourne with it Mads, can- and it's great. And both times heavy boomer uh, energy in, oh, the, sure. in the tour group. There's always at least one other young couple who are usually gross norms. Uh, 
<clears throat> but yeah, we've had weird Americans specifically uh, both times. I so we should get onto the Gen X component soon. Yeah, I, I fucking hell is this not- long. All right, but yep. you did just jog my memory. Mm. This is definitely my most boomer psychological trait. Yeah, I I hate. Mm. The distinctive taste of exotic hops in beer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> fuck hops, man. Like, not fuck hops. Obviously, they're a crucial ingredient of beer, but whatever the fuck our generation just was like. I don't yeah, so like we'll compost-flavored beer. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is what gives beer its fruity flavor. And it's like, yeah, but beer isn't <laughs> beer a fruity, fruity drink. Flavor. Having, a like, a mild fruity ester in in the back of it so that you can put the word passion fruit on the label is one thing but then trying to make it into like taste like some- passion fruit yeah i like my beer to essentially be like a liquid bread loaf that's what i'm looking for yeah yeah i'm extremely conservative about beer as well except for gimmick beers like matzo's brewery stuff oh yeah for if, sure. it's, if it's like a flavored mango beer or something, something mental then, then for sure yeah then i'm all over it that fucking banana beer that i don't think they make anymore that used to be our oh, special the banana bread beer when you yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. Like that you was go to the fun. bottle shop, you get some cheap booze and then one banana bread beer <laughs> that you put in the freezer and it tasted like fucking banana bread. It was amazing. It was incredibly well done. That was Young's, the British brewer, I think. Yeah. They yeah. might still do it. They do They do like seasonal stuff. So it might be right. a, if it's winter in Britain, we get banana beer in summer in <laughs> yeah. Australia. Oh, yeah. That kind of fits. Um, um, Gen right. X. Gen X. So... What is your most Gen X artifact? I'm fucking lazy. <laughs> Extraordinarily lazy. And there's a part of my brain that thinks that the the world should reward me for how interesting I am, despite how lazy I am. Yeah, that's fair. Do you think mm. that poo, we, and sex are inherently hilarious comedy topics? A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. That one's fading a bit, but it's still there. Yeah. That's pretty fair. What about you? Um, the uh, fear that my brilliance is far, far smaller a share of the world sum than I assume it to be. Yeah. Which has led to a decade of inaction on virtually everything. Yep. Is d- probably my most Gen X quality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would rather, like, leave my potential in a collector's friendly packaging then mm. take it out and play with it and watch it get yeah, broken. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel like the whole, like, gifted kids, in, which is, like, a, a cultural fucking uh, theme that you see, it's like, I was a gifted kid in school and now I'm depressed. And, like, a lot of millennials, which is not exactly what you're saying, but it's an adjacent idea. Yeah. Uh, a lot of millennials are playing with that, but that feels like an ex- incredibly fucking Gen X thing, like... I think so. I could have been the next Nirvana man, but you saw what happened to them. It's not worth it. You just end up selling out anyway. Uh, now I work in a bicycle shop. <laughs> yeah. The fear of selling out and then just selling out later. And then that's the golf, right? The, definitely not the first person to fucking talk about it, but like Gen X's were like extremely fearful of selling out and millennials are like, let me fucking sell out for the love of God. Will anybody buy me out? I just have nothing to sell. Yeah. I have a skills wallet. (laughs) (laughs) Moths flying out of your skills wallet. Uh, Yeah. Cool. 
Is that, right. That's the generation game? Yeah, pretty much. I just wanted to like express some intergenerational solidarity. Yeah. Except that, you know, millennials know that deep down we are as shit as everyone mm. else. Yeah. <laughs> I next never, next year, the this... Zoomers. I'll, 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 I'm encountering Zoomers in the wild. Next yeah. year, we can make fun of them as well. Yeah, I wonder if they're because there is a poison of self awareness. Gen X not self aware. I'm talking broad strokes, obviously, because yeah. they're rich and complex demographics. But Boomers definitely not self aware. Gen X definitely not self aware. Millennials too self aware to a fault. Uh, some of us, yeah. anyway. Definitely not. All of us, uh, and there's like a, there's a risk in that, isn't there? Like a risk of stasis. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I'm not a sociologist, but the question for me is like, how self-aware will Zoomers be? Well, I think more than us, because self-awareness is something that we came to as adults. Yeah, they were exposed to it as adolescents, and I think that makes tremendous yeah. difference. I think they'll be able to utilize it more effectively than we are. Yeah, they'll be much less fucked in the head than us. I yeah. <laughs> and also just statistically, fewer of them are going to be raised Catholic, so fewer of them are going to be thrust into the position that I find myself in, which is just an autoimmune guilt response to absolutely everything. Well, and, and they, they never experienced the banality of, mm. like, the 80s and 90s and early noughts yeah. political culture. Yeah. And the intellectual innovation that we were raised in this completely stayed yeah. dead environment i was thinking the other They're day used to ideas the, we weren't raised with ideas yeah i was thinking the other day about the, in english or something we did in and this would have been like grade five or six probably uh we did uh like a politics quote unquote subject <clears throat> And we had to write an article about politics. We went to fucking Canberra and shit. This was uh, good boy school, you know. Yeah, of course. We went to Canberra. We fucking watched Question Time from the gallery or whatever. And then we had to write a thing, an article. And I remember what I wrote. The headline, firstly, PM Johnny gets the sack. Not a good headline. (laughs) There's no pun there. It doesn't. And it's I also wrote, how <laughs> headlines were written in the 1920s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Extra, extra. PM Johnny gets the sack after another debacle in Parliament. <laughs> yeah, and the the content of the article was that he got fired because he was swinging and playing on his chair. That was the level of political awareness that I had. But that was the level of political engagement. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I, was, I, I don't think Zoomers general. can imagine the experience that we went through of like. Literally every topic we were introduced to in the education system was like, before capitalism, this used to be an idea that people had. Yeah, It's yeah. a good thing we don't have to worry about ideas anymore, kids. Now, we're, <laughs> now it's, it's all done. It's all sorted. And then those fucking dudes flew a plane, they say, into the Twin Towers, but what they actually did is fly it into the fucking simulation engine of the holiday. <laughs> and our entire fucking world fell apart into... Insanity, which is still spiraling out of control. Oh, definitely, like, in orders of magnitude, greater and greater. Yeah. So that's, I think, yeah, that's why they'll be better than us. They were raised with ideas as normal things, whereas we are just rediscovering them. Certainly, if they had to write the article that, do the assignment that I had to do now, it would be like... Scott Morrison, just another in a long line of colonial fascistas and uh, or some shit. They're all doing that sort of shit on yeah. TikTok. It might not be particularly cogent or like 
smart, but at least it would be hitting the right notes. Yeah, well, they still have developing young person brain, you know, yeah. but they'll get there. <laughs> Fucking idiots. This is us desperately trying to get on side with the future power brokers before they start owning us online. All right, let's fucking move on. That's a half hour on the generation game. Uh, I, I think that's a enough. Nice little, a Merry little Christmas, game. generations. Mm. Um, but don't worry, regular listeners. This is not about to become some sort of enjoyable experience for you. Yeah. We will return with your regular program shortly. Mm. And we're back. Yay. Yeah. I hope Kieran put some music in there. I think I'll put the topics music in there, because we're going to do three topics, right? Three. Bang, bang, bang. Bang, bang, bang. We're going to hit up the Anglosphere, except for Canada, because fuck them, and fuck New Zealand, because... Canada whatever. and New Zealand are both countries that accept the existence of other languages, so mm. they are officially kicked out of the Anglosphere. Yeah. <laughs> Anglo-supremacy <laughs> sphere. Uh, where, well, should we start at home? Yeah. Start at Australia, we'll and then start. we can take it. A transcontinental flight, intercontinental <clears throat> flight to uh to Hawaii and talk about the states, and then sort of take a fly fucking, over the burning wreck of Britain. Yeah, yeah. Shortly we'll little, to be even more destroyed. Maybe then. we should do Britain before we do the states because I feel like the states might be a nice tonic because it's just <laughs> television. <laughs> yeah, fair. Britain is going to be a bit of a bummer of a fucking exit <laughs> if that's how we do it. <laughs> But let's and start it. Everyone home. died. We made no money, and everyone died. Uh, so there's a few things going on at home. Australia's having a pretty rough trot at the moment, Kieran. It's yeah, not, it's, this may be nationally the shittiest Christmas uh, since Christmas was a thing here. Yeah, probably. It's fucking pretty full on. It's uh, a little cosmic horror to 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 kind of try and wrap your head around the scale of the fires. It is, especially yeah. in Melbourne. This is mm. I, one of the reasons why we are very unpopular uh, in Queensland mm. and New South Wales. It's not just because they know that we're better than them. It's because mm. while they are fighting for their lives and their homes yeah. in a blazing inferno of actual hell, yeah. we are all complaining about how cold it is. <laughs> yeah. like this, when is summer going to get here? Am I right? God. Yeah. And then it did get here for those two days that were over 40 and we were all like, oh, I'm ready for it to end. <laughs> so that is, Sydney I'm going to throw peering through the, the reactionary, uh, demented reactionary ghouls mm. of, of the North, a bone, fair grounds to be crossed with us. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, on that kind of fucking vibe as well, like, I knew about this, this is the the endless series of qualifying statements, I knew about the fires and the scale of them and shit like that, but the other day when Melbourne was clouded by smoke, it, it didn't hit me in a like, and now I'm part of the fires as well. <laughs> it wasn't that, but it was just like uh, a reminder of how fucking gigantic it was firstly that sydney is and and most of new south wales has had to deal with that level of smoke coverage for weeks mm. uh but also just like uh it's coming all the way down here this smoke and like that's fucked that's a that's a huge uh huge fire hey it's the most incredible quantity of smoke i think the last time mm. we had this much smoke displacement in australia was the original Black Friday, mm. which was a bushfire or bushfires that swept through Victoria, mm. and smoke from those fires reached New Zealand. Yeah, um, which was a surprise. It was a tr- nice treat for them. Yeah, 
a nice little gift <laughs> from their friends across the way. Uh, yeah, as far as I've heard, these ones going on now uh, have by like broken all records in recorded history for the largest uh, set of fires. They're just calling them mega fires now. They're making their own thunderstorms, which happens generally with bushfires, but is happening with alarming regularity. Yeah, now the speed the- and uh, with which the oxygen is being consumed is. Uh- creating literal booms and storms it's incredible yeah which creates more fires the fire front stretches uh is is long enough to stretch from sydney to afghanistan i think yeah they said which is fucked we That's don't a- have anything like the resources that we need to deal with the situation yeah. this is the first time i remember um firefighters volunteer and professional firefighters both mm. just coming flat out and telling people, no, we can't do anything about that one. That one's too big. You're just yeah. going to have to fucking go. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. It's it's quite bleak, uh, which is fitting for the show. And, of course, we have the Greens to blame for their overreaching <laughs> power in bur- banning all... Back, oh, uh, Icarus, <laughs> thy name is Green. <laughs> if only you'd allowed the burn mm. backs to happen. <laughs> yeah. With all this is of too much fuel because of power. because of Green's unilateral executive action because of the no seats you hold in rural councils because of the fuck all power you have at state or federal levels. Yeah, I thought I was ready for any disingenuous argument that the fucking Australian news and and commentariat could throw at me, but that one threw me for a loop. I'll be honest, the persistence. <laughs> The persistence of it. And the number of people on um, on the Facebooks who were yeah. like, well, if the bl- young people as well, but mm-hmm. like obviously stupid young people, but <laughs> just yeah. still like, well, the fucking greenies have got what they asked for. Mm. Literally not what they've asked for. No. The-, the greens have never tried to overrule the fire services advice on anything. No, their explicit policy is laid out on their website <laughs> yeah. is that we need to fund uh, fire services and then defer to their authority. <laughs> the Liberal Party uh, website doesn't have a bushfire policy. Or it might have one now. <laughs> it just says the Greens did this or something. But yeah. Yeah. Our policy is to oppose the uh, deleterious actions of the Greens party <laughs> in this regard. Yeah. So um, we- yeah, this is the yeah. longest fire season in like recorded Australian history, mm. um, and it is uh, the longest fire season being conducted with relatively the most underfunded fire service, pretty yeah. much since we've had a fire service. Yeah, and we've, that is one hundred percent directly the result of the state um, neoliberal governments. Yeah, and that's not just like Gladys. Um, Anastasia has fucked up as well. Mm. Daniel Andrews has gotten lucky so far with this bushfire season. Yeah. But his efforts in kind of fireproofing the Victorian countryside have been fairly negligible as far as I understand. Mm. South Australia is somehow on fire despite just being a sand pit, basically, which is impressive as fuck. Yeah, that one's uh, (laughs) a little rough. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely government, uh, fucking, uh, negligence. And I mean, I saw somebody talking, somebody wilding out on social media. There are a lot of angry people, understandably, wilding out, comparing defense budgets. And it's like, yeah, why, 
Why submarines? Why the refurbished fucking shark one for Scott Morrison? Why the stupid jets that kill their pilots like fucking rogue AIs in an 80s action movie? Why the detention centre on Christmas Island that has one family in it? Yeah. At a cost of $15 million per family member. Yeah. For fuck's sake. And then above all of this, why the absolutely dogged refusal now to provide immediate emergency <clears> funding <throat> for for chartering more fucking uh, water aircraft and and fucking whatever the, the is fire this services need? An experiment in just sheer political line holding and literally so. just seeing if they can because if they can break this, mm. if they can stay in power. Yeah. And not lose the trust of that, like, fuckwit gyroscope that is the heart of the demographic of this country. Yeah. Then basically they're invincible and we can't beat them ever. Yeah. I think Do you, you think might be they're right. just taking a huge punt to see if they can brass it out? Yeah. Uh, well, definitely <clears throat> federally, because Scott Morrison's thing always has been uh, marketing. And uh, that's not just like, a, oh, he used to be a marketing guy, but like specifically it's about image control, which yeah. is a big part of politics, but seems to be the whole of his strategy. Well, and I mean, you can tell that Anthony Albanese has never experimented with anything <laughs> like that. Yeah. Fuck. Anthony Albanese. Yeah. I mean, we should talk about uh, opposition. Anthony Albanese, the second that he got elected to uh, leader of the Labour Party, Something weird happened. It it's was like, like he had a fucking stroke or something. It's like it? he had a stroke and he came back looking different. Like yeah. like the jump from Soul Calibur 2 to Soul Calibur 3 or something. <laughs> he used to be these like nice, well-lit, matte, you know, lower poly, but but genu- generally like looked like a normal person. And he came and there's this weird fucking like late PS2 lighting sheen on his suit and stuff. And he's just looking a bit misshapen. And stuff, and yeah, like he's just. What the fuck happened to Anthony Albanese? <laughs> he's turned into a guy who's using this, like, essentially chance to hold the government to account mm. to go on a fucking fair dinkum speaking and listening tour mm. of carbon economy communities to yeah. see what he can do to help them. Enjoy their carbon-producing future, yeah. While climate change kills the country, and there's no prime minister. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's like fucking the political instincts bizarre. of a fucking lobotomized cow. It's mm. extraordinary. Yeah, it it really fucking is, and it bears re-emphasis how. Obviously, the coal uh, sector makes a lot of money for the fucking rank capitalists who own it. Yes. But it's worth re-emphasizing how few actual jobs there are. There are very few jobs in the coal sector. It's like 120,000 or something. Across the country. Across the country. And it's also important to emphasize that as like a kind of wealth generator for the country as a whole... Mm really replaceable and unnecessary. Yeah, for the country as a whole. it doesn't produce wealth for the country. It produces wealth for the people who own the mines. Well, it robs... Its historical fucking objective has been to rob the country of wealth by extracting its resources and the government taking none of the profit of that and the people just losing out. Correct. The environment losing out. 
and, and look, destroying the Great Barrier Reef, which is a, a big money maker, it's a, a huge money maker, neutral money maker for the and, fucking country, and like literally just an important part of the planet to not die. Yeah, because incredibly ecologically we really important. need the oceans to maintain their health because mm. most of the oxygen we breathe actually comes from the sea, not from the trees. It's important on a fucking <clears throat> on a ton of levels. Uh, Ecologically and like, you know, sort of like physically, whatever you would call that, like for our own health benefit, just like symbolically, it's yeah. such a fucking huge thing that the Great Barrier Reef is fucking going away. Yes. Uh, and then, yeah, economically and uh, aesthetically, because it's beautiful. Yeah, the fact that uh, it was called the Great Barrier Reef is in and of itself mm. an accident of history that turns out to be greatly appropriate. Yeah. Because once it falls, we'll know how it's fucked the fucking, we are. I, I'm, <laughs> I hate that I'm about to do this. Maybe this is my most Gen X trait, but it's fucking, it's the fucking wall in the north from Game of Thrones. It's, it is. It's this huge yeah. fucking deal that it's going, but it's going. It is irreversibly at the moment. Yeah. Maybe maybe the scientists can come up with a way to fix it. Yeah. I know maybe. there are, like, geniuses actually working really fucking hard on yeah. ways to fix it. Underfunded geniuses, but uh, they, are, they are putting in good work. Maybe they can take some of it and we can go to whatever the, the Queenscliff version of the Hillsville Sanctuary is and see some <laughs> great barrier reef that's been raised in captivity. <laughs> Like we'll have to do with the koalas when they become extinct in the wild because of these fucking fires that Anthony Albanese is not fucking taking any opportunity to hold the government to account. On. No, or, or or to like, I don't know, support the even even if you want to take that line of like I don't mm. want to politicize the fires yeah. as if it's somehow possible to not politicize them. Yeah, as the leader of the opposition, when everything you do is a political gesture, yeah. whether you want it to be or not. Yeah, you're a but politician. It's you can job. like not mention the fucking government. You can still like go balls to the wall to show your support for the yeah. fires and just and call for, the for funding and- communities. Yeah, you know, you really can. Um, and it's mad that he's taking this time to court the coal vote. Yeah. It's fucking it's surreal. Bizarre. It's almost as mental as people wanting Scott Morrison to come back from his holiday. Yeah. Why? <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's definitely an interesting one that I, we were talking about this before and I get it. I think it's a, a, a short uh, you- circuit. Uh, the, the, you, you were saying they're just so appalled by the brazenness of his not giving yeah, a fuck. because it's, it's objectively disgusting that, it is. that he is away and that he's refusing to come back until he gets a fucking first class <laughs> or whatever. And so the, the, they're, they're confusing their outrage at his grotesquery yeah, for with a, a desire, desire for him to yeah. come back. <laughs> yeah, as though he's going to do anything. Obviously, like, people should be wanting him to give more funding and stuff, but he's not going to fucking do that. Uh, no. If he's here, it only makes him stronger. No, fires are not a threat to our borders. Mm. Um, Borders, because they they take place already within the borders. So the borders are mostly beaches and therefore fireproof. Yeah. Yeah. QED. It's definitely better for us that he stays away. If he's not going to fucking fund relief efforts, which he's not, it's better for us that he stays away because it does seem to be the one thing that's actually harming his image with the people who were previously like fully on board with him. There's a lot of uh, discontent 
uh, from within his own circles and stuff. Yeah, of like, course. The leaks that are coming out are just people who are like, fuck it, fuck this guy. You have that moment where, and it's such a rare moment, um, where the conservative proletariat actually like get a glimpse of the contempt in which they're held by yeah the conservative elite it's those just desserts <laughs> but it the thing is traditionally it hasn't taken yeah 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 you know like it, they all it was always rapidly forgotten there's but always I don't been know a if... successful deflection oh it's labor's fucking war on retirees with the franking credits or whatever that's that's causing this it's Labor's mess has been the historical thing. It's going to be pretty fucking hard for them to paint this one as uh, Labor's Scott mess. Morrison may not have the charisma to do it. Yeah. He's not Boris Johnson. I don't think so, no. Yeah. He's not good at, like, extemporaneous... Uh, he can't improvise. or whatever. He can put together bafflingly successful uh, <clears throat> PR campaigns, but there's not a lot of ways to put a fucking raging bushfire on a poster <laughs> and come out on top. So Australia's having buyer's remorse at the moment. Yeah. I was reminded of that bit just before we crossed the UK mm. um, after the, the Queensland betrayal in the federal election. Yeah. There was a man from Townsville, and I distinctly remember he said, you know, we are aware of climate change and the risks that it poses, but it feels like more of a long-term problem. Yeah. And then immediately Townsville exploded in a bushfire. Yeah. It's, it's, there's that... a, there's a kind of, and I, I'm not like gloating about his predicament, that, but th- th- there's a terrible poignancy yeah. to the attitude that informed the Queensland vote mm. and what immediately occurred with yeah. the further collapse of the river system and this extreme yeah. fucking jungle catching fire, for God's sake. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who somebody was telling me, uh, I think Eden maybe was telling me that like the really disastrous thing about rainforest fires as opposed to bushfires is like in the bush a high a fairly high amount of the like nutrient content and stuff is in the soil like mm. with traditional plants so when stuff uh, burns down at least it can regerminate and grow or whatever but in a in a rainforest all of the nutritional stuff is in leaf litter and, and I believe that's true and stuff so if that burns then it's and extremely fucking hard to get it going again. The um, eucalypts, which make up most of the bush, yeah. of course, fire's part of their yeah. actual breeding cycle. Yeah. Whereas, uh, yeah, I don't know. The I can't imagine the rainforest, rainforest genetics ever really like factored the, <laughs> the bushfire into the- Fire activations. I feel like it would just destroy the seeds. Yeah. It would be wild, though, if we just discovered that there was, like- a whole mirror world of rainforest <laughs> that was fire activated and just nobody had ever had discovered been waiting it. for tens of thousands of years to come to the surface. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Immediately starts sucking carbon out of the atmosphere and a breed of super cassuaries the size mm. of terror birds begin to stalk yeah. the landscape. The atmosphere is soaked through with like hallucinatory ozone. <laughs> Scott Morrison is just like, I knew that this was going to happen. This was my plan all along. <laughs> oh fuck. I am the Queensland Satter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, that big psychological shift of, like, reckoning with the fact that climate change is no longer uh, an external, like, a, a, a It's a not something thing. that it would be nice to get to anymore. It's now, like, oh, fuck, this it's has here. happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's here. And, like, what is every fire season in this country going to look like this from now on? And if I mean, so, yes how- is the answer. Yeah. It looks like yes. And 
how do we reckon with that? Like just even on a level of like where we build settlements and stuff. And that's problems that we have to deal with now. Absolutely. It's a huge psychological shift. So like Look, a little bit of sympathy for people that are uh, having to go through that from, from the, the selfish perspective. Nobody likes that self reckoning. Like if they're, if they've been putting off taking action because they thought it was a future problem. I mean, yeah, oh, for sure. If they're now <clears throat> finding themselves in these fucking scenarios, but yeah, I don't know. We it's should rough. be really forcing um, right-wing journalists to help fight the fires. I, th- I feel like mm. an, an appropriate punishment for all of News Corp yeah. is to, and most of the commercial TV people as well, mm. don protective gear. Every time a real firefighter falls in the field, yeah, one of those cunts has to go and take his place. That would be satisfying for sure. Um uh, yeah, I don't know. Having the climate denialists are, are getting weird with it now, though, online. Like, you've got people that are just trying to trot out the same old thing. Oh, it was warmer 200 years ago. Oh, the Bureau of Meteorology is fucking with the data. It's like, I don't know if you've fucking looked outside, dude, but it's happening. It's yeah. here. It's reality. The, it's it was not that fucking um, Bolt Report supporters group. Yeah. And there was yeah. full on some guy who was like, well, I read a settler's journal from 1847 and he said it was this hot and dry. I'm like, oh, really? Yeah. With his sensitive fucking measuring equipment. Yeah. <laughs> the, a guy who's just come from like one of the coldest, wettest inhabitable countries on the world. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, fuck me, it is crazy hot here. Yeah. <laughs> what a reliable guy. He's got like a tin dish and a scrying stone with a picture of St. Anthony on it. <laughs> and his users. If anyone listening has to join the Bolt Report supporters group, don't comment. Yeah. No, just, don't let just them catch you. But just apply. enjoy. Lurk, yeah, Darcy, lurk love. Darcy discovered this one and then I, I joined up and- immediately harvested like 40 screenshots for Twitter or something. I haven't been able to look at it lately because I feel like the fire shit might bum me out a bit too much and I don't want to get kicked out and lose my access to these fucking insane people, uh, which I might be forced to do. Uh, But yeah, it is hysterically funny as well as very depressing, obviously. It, it, yeah, it's crazy. It's exactly well. our brand. <laughs> we, should, we should have left ourselves uh, more time to talk about. We'll see at the end of the episode, mm. if we've got time for a bit, we might do a Bolt Report supporters group. Otherwise, we can do yeah. it later. We can do it later. It's an um, ongoing project. That's an ongoing project. Yeah. Well, shall we shall we take a plane across the we'll pond? We'll take a plane across the pond to dear old light a Tell you what, at least we've saved the world from Corbynism. Yeah. Trustworthy Boris Johnson will save the working people of this country. Finally, the Jews are safe. (laughs) It's just every single other ethnic group that's now about to be fiercely discriminated against. The Jews are only, like, this is the, well, technically the Jews are more, I I don't believe this, the anti-Semitism thing was horseshit, but technically the Jews are are more safe because they are still on our list of ethnicities (laughs) to cleanse, but they're at further towards the bottom of the list they come a long way after Mm. anybody from the indian subcontinent africa (laughs) the middle east south america north america east asia central asia northern asia we'll get around to them though we'll get around we'll get pogrom done uh 
Priti Patel will absolutely get pogrom done. She is such a ghoul. She is going to unironically use the term pogrom at some point during yeah, this term. Yeah, I, I can believe it. She's she's on a whole other level of just vicious stupidity. So the election didn't go well. The election was a rout. Um, yeah. Uh, Labour got, just despite having a man of policy manifesto that had something like each policy point, you're looking at an average of two-thirds public approval Yeah, yeah. for all of the points that Corbyn was putting to it the public. An immensely popular manifesto. But um, the anti-Semitism charges stuck. They really did. Reports from a lot of Labour door knockers mm. um, were told point blank that I'm not going to vote for an anti-Semite. Yeah, and, and if they didn't stick directly like that, they... I mean, I've been thinking about how, like, that versus the Brexit thing and how much each uh, policy, uh, each sort of, like, tactic from the Tories worked. And it's like, the anti-Semitism thing, I don't think, was purely uh, to get people to believe that he was an anti-Semite. I think that it had a second purpose, which was just to make him difficult to be enthusiastic yeah. about. Because if you say it, uh, then a bunch of people are going to be like, oh, I don't know, doesn't he have some sketchy associations? And Which, yeah, like, find me a parliamentarian who doesn't have sketchy fucking associations. Yeah. Boris Johnson is friends with Jair Bolsonaro, for fuck's sake. Yeah. People <laughs> wilded it out, out about so Corbyn weird. fucking... Corbyn was photographed uh, once with Victor Orban because he was at the same event yeah. as Victor Orban. Boris Johnson personally congratulated Victor <laughs> Orban on his victory in uh, in Hungary. It's it's crackers. The standards that and Corbyn he's a was fucking anti-Semite held to are like nothing I've ever seen before in British political life. Yeah, it it makes me crazy, and it affected mm. intelligent people. Yeah, like Rachel Riley from Countdown. That was hard to was full on the no ne- the never Corbyn thing. Yeah, she and she had that fucking. Was, st- photoshopped thing where they where she took a photo of a protest against anti-semitism yeah and photoshopped the sign to say never never corbin Corbin." or i'm a racist or whatever the fuck it said yeah Yeah. it was horrible she put up a list of sources which were fucking outfits like the camera institution which is a very pro-settler organization Mm. based in america um an article about jeremy corbin apparently like the context was like, oh, he's just asking for these, like, Jew murderers to be set free because he doesn't think it's a crime. Yeah. Jeremy Corbyn thought that they hadn't done it. He thought it was a miscarriage of justice. He didn't say that the crime shouldn't be punished. Yeah, He yeah. just wanted the people who, like, did it to be the ones that got the punishment. Yeah. And he was supported by a ton of eminent people. It wasn't just him. Yeah. The fucking guy who defended the Birmingham Six was in there. Mm. There were a lot of... Like astute legal minds that felt that was a miscarriage of justice. Yeah, but it doesn't matter <clears throat> in the fucking and the Lib Dems time of pure aesthetics got like potentially a million Labour votes went to the Lib Dems off the yeah. back of this anti-Semitism bullshit. The really like the sad microcosm, the little synecdoche uh, that's operating in this fucking uh, election is the seat that Grenfell is in. Uh, I forget the name of it. it starts with a K. Uh, which was a Labour seat, I guess, went to the Tories who won it by, like, 190 votes or something. 
and the Lib Dems took like 1,500 votes. And so this they, makes a difference. And it doesn't matter in Australia because we have preferential voting, but of course the UK is yeah, first past first the post. Past the post. So you can win a seat with 40% of the mm. vote if it gets broken up by enough. Yeah. Yeah. And this was like <clears throat> a party with like a 2% take or something less of the vote that fucked Labour. The Lib Dems are down to 10 seats now, I think, because yeah. Joe lost her seat. Yep. Good. Uh, so it's an interesting thing as well, and this is not like a defense of the Lib Dems, this is an observation of how stupid first past the post is, mm. is that the Lib Dems voting share has been increasing every election and they have been getting fewer seats every election. It's fucking insane. Yeah. <laughs> Great That's just an strategy. aside that that means your voting system doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It does seem odd. It looks like the pattern was very simple. If you voted Leave, you voted Tory, and if you voted Remain, you voted Labour. Mm. So there were, like, opinion pieces from anti-socialist Tories who were mm. still saying, I'm going to vote for Jeremy Corbyn, because mm. obviously the Lib Dems are a waste of a vote, and I like his policy of post-negotiation referendum. Yeah. That seems like the only feasible democratic way to do this. Yeah. The Brexit thing really does seem to be the poo in the pudding. Uh, I think if Corbyn had embraced... See, I, I, I've got to admit I was wrong. I thought Corbyn was right politically, or tactically, if not politically, yeah. that going soft remain was quite yeah. a sensible move for It him. seemed to me like the... Like the soft leave, well. soft remain. But I'm thinking now maybe Eesh. he should have just got his knackers out and ran at a hard progressive Brexit. Yeah, I think that that's I think that's right because it's firstly it's what he always wanted to do. It is what he always wanted uh, to do, and secondly, like I, I think if- I can understand the the fucking mental torsions of grappling with the result of the Brexit vote in that fucking horrible year of subverted expectations. Yeah, and but it was a referendum. It was a it referendum. Was a, it was for it was sure fucking legal. Like there wasn't anything corrupt about it. Ex- well, it wasn't a referendum. Remember, it, it, it was uh, a yeah. um, poll. A poll. Yeah. So it wasn't. There was. Ne- there was never a legally binding. No, thing, not right? legally but it binding. Was presented, but politically, it was present. Yeah, politically, it was presented as a binding vote. Yeah, for sure. And just it, David Cameron's a fucking idiot. Yeah, and it's just not a good oh, look God. to poll the populace and then completely be like, ignore. We'll it. do the other thing. Yeah. So, like, it's a fucking unenviable position to be in. But I think, yeah, in retrospect, he should have just stuck with progressive Brexit. But this is where... Which should, in theory, be an eventual goal of the left anyway. I think this is where um, the composition of the parliamentary party Mm. was really difficult for him to work with, though. Yeah. Because, remember, he was only in off the back of the member votes. Yeah, Not the actual parliamentarians. Yeah. There are, are still a lot of... I think, oh, man, I suppose Jess Phillips will replace him. Mm. I hope not. I don't really know a lot about Jess Phillips. Jess Phillips is... She's very... Jess Phillips is brilliant at presenting herself as, like, a mm. frustrated progressive. Yeah. But she has an extremely conservative financial policy. Yeah, right. And she is prepared to make huge concessions in exchange for small concessions. Yeah. So I don't know whether she has a good heart or not, mm. but she's terrible at making deals, yeah. and she's um, very heavily influenced by the lo- by the by the new Labour movement. Lou neighbour. Yeah. <coughs> uh, I do have a neighbour called Lou. 
a few houses now. Lou Neighbor is actually quite a good comedy name. We should remember that. <laughs> yeah, Lou Neighbor from 1978, <laughs> maybe. Uh, I'm just the, thinking for like an insane centrist left politician. Yeah, you know? yeah, Lou Neighbor. Uh, Sounds very John Clark, actually. Yeah, 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 I can see that. So, it, yeah, heartbreakingly... <sighs> Um, a lot of such a, fucking... a lot of loyal Labour voters abandoned the party because of concerns that Brexit would only be achieved by the Tories. Yep. So the Labour Party essentially failed to sell the fact that they were going to aggressively pursue Brexit. Yep. And I think and... instinctively a lot of people feel the way I do, which is instinctively when it's like, oh, we're going to put another border up. This yeah. is a vote to have more borders in the world. Yeah. My instinctive response is like, fuck that. I hate borders are going to kill us. Borders yeah. are going to be the thing that ends the planet. And the the EU is like quite a utopian idea in a lot of ways. It's like free movement, uh, Definitely freedom to work. Based like, on what it had come from, like what predated yeah, yeah. the idea of European unity. Yeah, it's an amazingly uh, 100%. utopian idea. I, I'm, I'm with you there 100% because my gut instinct is anti-Brexit or whatever. But like, especially in the context that it was brought up by fucking conservative austerity hounds. Oh, absolutely. The massacre of Greece, you know, the sacrifice of the human beings that lived in Greece yeah. to save banks imaginary entities in Germany and France. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, I can, I can understand it, I guess. Uh, I completely understand it. Like the, it's, it's better to have progressive control of a territory than to be part of a larger neoliberal block. Yeah. Well, I get if it. The, like I'm, I'm not too familiar with how the regulations in the region work or whatever, but people were suggesting that like Corbyn might have some problems with some of his uh, service nationalization plans or whatever. If uh, the UK remained in the EU, I don't yeah. know how true that is. But well, I was going to say this is speculative because Gordon Brown did a huge amount of nationalization of services mm. uh, in 2008 and nine. And that mm. was not. Yeah. But still under a to. fundamental, but that was to try to save capitalism. Project, yeah. Yeah. So obviously different context. It's hard. It's hard to tell, but like what an absolute fucking dog shit confluence of events for, yeah. for this election. And like, uh, you were saying before that the, the labor party has this streak. And I think that that there's something to that. Like at least the, the socialist heart of the labor left has a little bit of fucking, like proof and staying power now that over the long term it can stay in there. Yeah, absolutely. Potentially. But for the next little while, it seems incredibly fucking uh, dark to me. Well, for five years where Britain has a Tory dictatorship, it's that simple. Yeah. And um, I, I, I think beyond that, I don't, I see them fucking up like Labour here fucked up and, and going back to hard sort of fucking Miliband style. Maybe. It's difficult. Labour has lost Scotland. This is yeah, another yeah, thing people yeah. forget. Um, like, yes, the SNP, under its current leadership and membership, will probably always support a Labour government over a Tory government. Hmm. But the loss of those seats uh, and the kind of experienced politics that came with them. Because yeah. the Labour left... This is really sad in a way that a lot of Labour MPs who were replaced by SNP uh, MPs were being punished for the crimes of like London centric English Labour politicians. Yeah. yeah. You know, like they weren't necessarily responsible for the Labour's failures in Scotland. 
Um, Labor, yeah. I feel like uh, this is a very uh, an opinion with no data to back it up, but it feels to me like Scottish Labor has always had a few pretty good voices in there. I find Scotland, like historically, Scotland has always been more progressive than England. Yeah. Um, as a polity, you know, they were the first part of the British Isles to get free education. They were the, yeah. There's a lot. With a bit of luck, they'll get another fucking independence vote, but that would depend on a pretty incredible uh, capitulation by the Boris government. Well, I don't see... This is where I want to look at the Constitution, Mm. because Scotland has a really unique place in the former empire in that it wasn't a conquered territory. Mm. Technically, Scotland voluntarily entered the Union with England by, like, a parliamentary measure. Mm. So, legally, it may not be be something Boris actually has a say in. I mean, that would be good. I, th- I think it, legally it shouldn't be something that no, Boris has a fucking not. say in either way. But yeah, that that is interesting. That That is what I, as you say, hope. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with without Scotland, um, Labour is going to be... That, that, that adds to Labour's miseries hugely. Yeah. It really does. Mm. And I think part of the terrible results... Uh, for Corbyn have to be remembered in the context of he didn't lose Scotland. Yeah. Scotland was lost by Blair and Brown and Miliband. Yeah. Yeah, fucking hell. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what happens next with Labour leadership and and then, yeah, just a five-year fucking dark period of Boris fucking Johnson of all people. And God knows what... um, damaging trade deals he comes up with yeah. for, what, one of the things i'm very fearful of for my for the people over there is yeah, the terrible deals he's going to come up with yeah he's just going to pitch the country into the jaws of fucking the u.s because the only thing left to sell is the nhs mm. if it's that simple really which is definitely not going to sell of course he's going to fucking it's already it's already been, been a lot of it's yeah. been sold in all but name already mm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. There'll be a bit of that just desserts kind of thing when the people who said, he'll not sell the NHS. But those people seem uniquely resistant to fucking uh, comprehending the consequences of... These are people who genuinely feel like Jeremy Corbyn, whether you like his policies or not, I feel like it should be impossible to deny Mm. that he's one of the most morally consistent people in the history of British Parliament. Yeah. Like, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jeremy Corvin has represents everything he did when he first walked into the house. Yeah. Boris Johnson... Like, even if you're a fan of Boris Johnson, mm. you've got to be a fan of him because of his, like, sneakiness and yeah. his capacity to use trickery to... Like, he's a Loki, essentially. Yeah, yeah. How can you say with a straight face that he's more trustworthy than Jeremy Corbyn? Yeah, I He's don't know. famously untrustworthy. It's his main thing yeah. that even his supporters, like, love about him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that he's an operator, a fucking creature of low cunning. Um yeah, but I think when when those people who answer in the affirmative that Boris Johnson is more trustworthy than Corbyn, what they don't, what they mean is not trustworthy. What they mean is like get Brexit weak done. versus strong. Yeah, yeah. It means they can trust him to act broadly uh, on their sort of like reactionary nationalist agenda. Three or four years ago, Coca Cola Australia. I don't know if this is an international thing. Mm. Coca Cola Amatil changed the name Coke Zero to coke no sugar yeah 
and their, their argument for the reasoning was that like too many people were confused by the name Zero and yeah. didn't realize that it didn't have any sugar in it. Mm. And I honestly thought, you're not going to reach those people. Man. <laughs> Coke, no sugar. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no mm. way to communicate with that kind of person. Yeah. And politically, we have them as well. And it's a much bigger problem for us than it was for the Coca-Cola Corporation. <laughs> yeah. What's the, yeah, what's the next step? The idiocracy kind of thing where Coke is releasing a, a drink that just is called, there's no sugar in this can of Coke. <laughs> and yeah. And I can't believe is... it has no sugar. <laughs> but it doesn't. But it doesn't, yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, the universe does not stand upon my beliefs. Otherwise, it'd be a weird place. <laughs> Fuck yeah. And uh, whatever. The moon would be producing light. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ. People are idiots. And that f- and never feels good to take that position and just be like, I'm smarter than people. But like. I mean, look, I, I, I happily accept my own idiocy as well. Which yeah. I, but I feel sometimes feel like I'm only doing that to give myself license to scream, you're a fucking idiot at someone. Yeah. <laughs> To give them their due, for a lot of people, it's the fact that they've been subjected to a particular, like, series of fucking educational and advertising forces that really reward this sort of behavior. Like, we are creatures of our environment. You and I are fucking posh little good boys. Like, of course, we have a relative independence of thought because we were trained to come up with the way to trick these people. That's a disturbing Thanks. insight. <laughs> do, you, do you ever think about things like that? I think about it often in when terms I... of, like, masculinity and privilege. It's like we were uh, fucking recruited into... Uh, when I think about the Monster Factory... Uh, so, I, I guess mm. half of my time there was spent at Press Hill. Yeah. Which is a very different private school. Yeah, yeah. Um, and is, like, a real... I don't know what... Like, the, the, the ideology of Press Hill is a kind of boomer notion of... Which is not necessarily denigrative in this context, but it's a very, like, 70s, 60s, 70s optimistic idea of, like, communal libertarianism, almost. Yeah. So we were taught more overtly, like, this is a trick that people play. Right. As it were, when we were negotiating the world. But, yeah... Thinking back to the other monster factory that I went to, there was a definite, um, like, intellectual grooming process underway, yeah. for sure. Because the the difference in a private school and a public school is not the curriculum. It's the same curriculum. Yeah. It's the socialization. Yeah. 100%. When you send your children to a private school, you're paying for admission into that gruesome clique. Yeah. Yeah, it's access and it's... Yeah, it's, that's uh, what the fee's for. Manipulation and stuff. Yeah, it's fucked up. I mean, I went to Xavier, which is an extremely notorious school. Yeah. Uh, where our boy Bill Shorten came from. Xavier, li- literally rendered sympathetic only by the presence of Scotch College not far down the road. Yeah. Well, I mean, it it, it, it puts out a lot of contemptible pieces, people, but like, it is an interesting beast because there's two schools there, right? The, the the main school uh, is this, like, gigantic 
fucking extremely wealthy, extremely good at extracting wealth uh, business, which inheres in its students this uh, idea of supremacy or whatever. Yeah. But within that, at the core, it is a Jesuit school and there's a bizarrely persistent Jesuit educational tradition that genuinely believes in like self-sacrifice and uh, helping people out and like independence of thought and, and, and like spiritual doubt and stuff like all this really interesting shit that's happening in the Jesuit core of the school. Unfortunately, the cocktail of that is to just make the, the kids who really buy into it smugger because they think <laughs> that they're quote a man for others. Yeah. But it is interesting that We're there's woke, this like woke Catholics. Yeah. It's it, the Jesuit strain there is really fucking interesting in a sort of like admirable, but it's a fuck. It's still a religious school or whatever. That's fascinating. I an interesting mix. Before Pressel, I was at Wesley, yeah, which is a school named for, of course, the founder of Methodism, mm, Wesley Snipes. The yes, just so. <laughs> the uh, the principle that Christianity should be about simple, clean living. Mm. Um, rendered in a purple and gold blazer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And this the, signifies the uh, agony of our untouched genitals. Celebration of conspicuous consumption and power that yeah. all he, he would have approved of all of yeah. uh, very strongly. Um, Wesley, so Wesley was co-ed, mm. but I was at Wesley at an interesting time because it was post-David Loder had been the- yeah. Uh, principal of the school and he was like quite a modern educator Mm. not necessarily somebody who I agree with but definitely he invigorated improved the school enormously and off the back of that you had a glut of really energetic young uh, vibrant people working as teachers yeah he left or was replaced um, and the replacement was a very conventional private school headmaster. Yeah. And you could, these uh, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed teachers began to vanish. Mm. And I think, and, and, and Wesley, after a very brief period of trying to be a progressive, like elitist institution, yeah, um, the, that contradiction collapsed. And I was witnessing that that firstly caused me to move to Press Hill, but it also was my first realisation that there was an institutional backlash mm. to an excess of vitality and yeah. literalism that yeah. had been allowed to take place. Yeah, yeah. And that yeah. therefore there was something suspicious and grotesque occurring, that the school mm. was not what it had presented itself to me as. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're pretty. They're interesting revelations. Yeah, I, mean, I, I guess didn't, the, Yeah, I didn't know what I was. I was like thirteen, fourteen at the time. I wasn't intellectualizing that, but it was an no, awareness that yeah, I was. You, you get onto it. So there was a strong. What the fuck is this? Is not okay. This is yeah. not normal. This is not how schools should be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get those little, those little glimpses, the little things that only snap into context later. For me, it was like, I got selected. This is the fucking most elitist horse shit ever. I got picked because art was like my favorite subject. Art was kind of like what I thought I was going to do with my life then. Uh, so they had, they started running life drawing classes for like particular students. So like two students from 
each year level got picked or something and I got picked because I was, you know, not a lot of people are into art. You did the drawing, school. yes. This isn't ending with a priest stripping. No, <laughs> no, no, luckily. <laughs> I think I I think I really threaded the needle on two <laughs> on two sexual assault scandals in terms of timing. Um what a no, thing but to like, laugh about. <laughs> <laughs> you you really have to or you're fucked. Uh, yeah, but anyway, I was, I was doing this life drawing class, which was kind of an experimental, you know, uh, posh thing. And the sports people cracked the shits that I was going to be missing sport, uh, to do this art thing. <laughs> Fucking hell. I can uh, imagine you were only a liability on the sports. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But it was, it was ideological. It was like, yeah. sport is what we do. We're healthy body, healthy mind. Yeah. And it was like- Don't want them going all dewy. Yeah. Tasty, yeah. unhealthy things. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fucking I wriggled out of the hands on that one. Uh, yeah. And I just remember being bummed out because I was fucking trained to believe that their word was law or whatever. And my mum cracked the shits and she was like, we're paying so much for this stupid fucking place. You're going to tell me that he has to, he fucking hates sport. He's not good at it. We've come to terms with it. Let him do the fucking drawing thing. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it was, it was just, uh, one of those little moments of revelation, but I would very much, and I know that I've brought this upon myself, but I would very much like to stop talking about high school. Oh yeah. Any more obsession with high school will turn into American film producers. Am I right? Uh, Speaking of speaking of America and film producers. Do you want to have like a cup of tea or something? I think we probably need a cup of tea. Yeah, I would suggest you at home get one as well. I I would suggest that you at home just skip the last ten minutes of the podcast, which I know is is something of an impossibility. No, there's Uh, not. There's not long left. Just. Get yourselves a cuppa. Pause this. Get yourself. Oh, I a meant cuppa. last, as in previous ten minutes. No, oh, don't skip the well, next. Bit. The next bit is good. I mean, that's. I mean, maybe you can edit it out. They can tell their friends <laughs> that they <laughs> have our- don't have friends. <laughs> <laughs> All right, they're too pure. <laughs> yeah. So our last stop in the Anglosphere tour of what the fuck is going on around Christmas 2019. We have the peak what the fuck is going on country. The, The, uh, yeah, Lewis Carroll's USA. (laughs) Also, like, bizarrely, now, the real glimmer of hope, which feels like such an existentially tenuous position to be like it's a very very faint glimmer help us united states our only hope (laughs) fucking hell what have we come to it i would will frankenstein kill his monster i would say that it's it's less faint than the uk was oh for sure I'm, i'm starting to build up a real steam of optimism look one of the nice things about american politics is it is less stable than british politics yeah yeah the the wildness of their presidential thing which everybody criticized all throughout the fucking 2000s because of its cult of personality shit and whatever is bizarrely potentially going to be more of a savior than the than the party line system of uh, the uk and here but uh we might as well touch on the fact that the articles of impeachment got passed against trump yeah they did. That was a sort of Christmas present, I guess. It was a Christmas present from an auntie who was like, oh, I know you like impeachments. Yeah, yeah. Um, it doesn't mean a lot. It's not going to pass the Senate. 
Uh, it probably won't. I <clears throat> Look, I'm going to keep a slightly more open mind than I would have done a couple of weeks ago, if only because I have such a terrible record of making accurate predictions. Yeah. I, I, there is... Don't we all at this point? <laughs> Who now doesn't uh, feel solidarity with that octopus that they got to predict World Cup <laughs> matches? Paul the octopus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Paul the octopus um, received a lot of death threats. <laughs> <laughs> and, like from the same demographic of people who like get angry at the weatherman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a conspiracy to fucking ruin my day. I inaccurately... This is what we were talking about just before on our nice little coffee break, how frustrating it is when you've got uh, experience in something and somebody refuses to shut up and trust your expert opinion mm. and just insist that it's that their opinion is as valid as yours, <clears throat> which we were talking about in the in the context of like trans issues, a bunch of people who don't know what the fuck they're talking about refusing to listen to people who do. But also the weatherman. It's like, you don't know what goes into meteorology. It's an insanely, like... It's really <clears throat> complicated. ...subtle science. Yeah. You know, with a lot of extremely well-developed... A lot of the variables aren't actually computable or accessible, mm. so that makes it innately quite tricky. Yeah, but some people are just like, oh, if he just fucking do his fucking job. Anyway, let's not get too far afield. <laughs> Donald Trump uh, impeached. Donald Trump's impeachment could result in... the My, my problem with the impeachment... Mm. is politically, I don't think it actually helps achieve no. anything. And if it puts Mike Pence in as president, it, like, what is the victory? Yeah. Meaningfully, <clears throat> how is no, it better I, to have Mike Pence as president than I Donald think, Trump? I think potentially, I mean, it's arguable because Trump is such an agent of chaos that anything could happen, but I, I, I think Pence could potentially be worse with... For sure. He has an actual, like, Donald Trump's agenda is evil, but it's really narrow. Like, it's yeah. about making his life better, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Pence's uh, wickedness is broad. Yeah. It will touch far more mm. of humanity than Trump's did. I think if Pence had been in office, the US would be at war with Iran right now over that confected shit with the Saudi Arabian oil refinery and the, oh, yeah, the, the airstrike that Donald Trump called off at the last second and John Bolton and stuff. Like, I think if Pence had been in office then, then they would be at war with Iran right now. So it's hard to get too excited over the ousting of uh, Donald Trump. And also, leading up to the next election, Donald Trump's unfavorability might be the Democrats' This is weapon. like when um, Churchill decided that they should stop trying to assassinate Hitler. Mm. He's like, well, we sort of missed the window on that one. <laughs> and now that the war is happening, he's... I don't want fucking Rommel taking over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking hell. Goebbels in charge of that apparatus, like... Like, yeah, he's making terrible decisions consistently. <clears throat> we should, if anything, be trying to protect him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it, so it is a bit like that. That said, the Democrats aren't actually... The Democratic establishment are not actually interested in securing power for themselves. Far better for them to uh, <clears throat> stay in opposition, continue to collect money, and, and not actually be accountable for anything. So I can see them... Uh, tanking Trump to get Pence in just as an effort to defuse uh, the Sanders movement, which I guess is what we're heading towards. It is what about. we're heading towards, yes. But let's talk about the other primary candidates. A moment of silence for those who have dropped out. Uh, Beto O'Rourke. 
Yeah, I, maybe we'll put He some... stacked the ollie, the final yeah. turn of the pipe. Maybe I'll put some solemn scar music in the background or something for that. I won't. It's too much effort productively. So you can imagine it. With one of Sublime's numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's definitely appropriate. So he dropped out. Kamala Harris is another big uh, dropout. Yeah. Which, uh, Kamala deserved to go further. Like, I don't like Kamala Harris. I don't like Kamala but Harris the, the, at the, all. If you want a sort of good example of how racism and sexism are still huge problems in candidate mm. selection, Joe Biden is still in the race and Kamala Harris isn't. And she should definitely still be there and he should definitely have dropped out. If it was going to be one or the other of them. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's no fucking According way. to logic, he's he's... <laughs> Very much heavily protected uh, by the establishment and by the legacy of the Obama administration. Obviously, she made some pretty bad mistakes, uh, campaigning mistakes and, and, and public appearance mistakes. And, yeah, her, and her rating did tank really badly. Kamala so. Harris has made some terrible career mistakes as well. Like yeah. she's has a, not, she does not have the career of a consistently moral person. Yeah, no. Or uh, almost exactly the opposite, you could argue. But anyway, she... She her rating tanked her uh, polls rating and she dropped out, which has led to the the kind of interesting phenomenon of essentially l- like demetaphorizing a uh, uh, a science fiction conceit picture, if you will, <coughs> a malevolent alien entity. <clears throat> we'll call it Kamala, but pretend it's all in capitals and there's a hyphen between each. Kamala. Uh, yeah, yeah, and it's it's a sort of like a cybernetic bee. Yep. Uh, Queen Bee, surrounded by her nanobots, the K-Hive, because this is what Kamala Harris supporters call themselves. Really? Yeah, the K-Hive. Oh, well, that's <clears> embarrassing. And they're the, mo- <laughs> they're the most vicious fucking people on the internet. Like, they're absolutely unhinged. And now that their Queen Bee has died, they're just defaulting to extermination programming, and they're fucking <laughs> flying throughout the universe and just attacking every other candidate with no clear agenda but the k-hive is just running rampant across uh across american social media and stuff which is is kind of fucking interesting she's out i don't know if cory booker is still in i think maybe he's holding on but like i think delaney probably might have dropped out by this point i think delaney's gone um, <clears throat> uh, uh, gabbard is she's still she's in still it. in and so is yang yang's still in uh, the Yang Gang are still a thang. Yeah, yeah. Um, They're holding on. And, like, Yang, you, you know, I like him personally. I think his policies are dog shit, but I think there's a place for him in a Sanders, uh, Sanders president I, I can cabinet, s- maybe. I can see uh, Andrew Yang in, like, maybe 20 years' time mm. being a worthwhile person in the American politics. Yeah, maybe. I think that he has a place now or soon in handling the transition from automation uh, towards automation. I mean, I just don't think that he should be in control of the broad policy. Uh, oh, he's definitely shouldn't be because... like president of America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's absurd. That he should be. Uh, <clears throat> but anyway, the, the, the front of the field is Joe Biden, consistent front runner, somehow a senile old man who goes off on, extemporaneous fucking stories about his childhood in, I don't know, the boroughs of, of some fucking fictional 
America he's a past. hair's breadth away. Uh, the next time he gets on the microphone, it's just going to be something like, well, had to take my third piss for the night at uh, half past 10 p.m. Mm. Pissed shit for a bit. Yeah. Then some blood, <laughs> then pissed some more shit, but then the piss came out. Yeah, yeah. And uh, reminded me of beans. Do you remember these? We had these beans. They came in little cans. This was before wrinkles, folks. Uh, you had to you had to use a and they a, were one good of those cans. Can they were made of steel yeah, back yeah, then. It was good American steel. You had to use a knife to open them. And sometimes you cut yourself trying to open the can. And I remember my daddy. He cut himself opening one of them cans. And he said to me, "Young Joe, young Joe, you go down to the ice cream parlor one day. You're going to play baseball for the Knicks." And it's like. <laughs> What the fuck are you talking about? The question was about climate change. Yeah. He's still in it. Uh, Elizabeth Warren is still in it and doing quite strong. The the capitalist with a heart, we'll, we'll, we'll say. I like Liz Warren a lot as a person. I think she's a disaster of a politician. She's had a very... Um, one, one of the things that's very, I think clear from Warren that separates her from a lot of the field mm. is less ideological and more just to do with life experiences. Yeah. Like what she was nearly 70 when she actually went into politics after well, having had a 70 now. Oh, so she's yeah. been around. Okay. For a while. So maybe like nearly <clears throat> just past 60 when she went into politics, mm. but like after having had a proper independent life and career, yeah, and still a very, like, privileged and sheltered one, but she was a teacher at Harvard for a bit. She was a lawyer. And oh, for sure. Stuff. I, I just mean it's interesting because of all of the people, including Sanders, mm. she's the one who has come to politics post-retirement, really. Yeah. Because she's like, oh, man. Now that I'm paying attention to politics, it seems like there's a lot of stuff that needs to be fixed. Yeah. <clears throat> as opposed um, to, like, as much as I love Sanders, mostly his career has been that he has been a politician. Guy, and he's yeah. been a really good one. Yeah. But I think it's refresh. It's refreshing to have somebody, somebody who was, like, a professional in another walk of life before yeah. they became a politician. I don't think she came into it that late, and I'm not going to look it up because I don't believe in fact-checking. Uh <laughs> <clears throat> but, I can look it up. I've got my research she, station here. Because she was a Republican for a little bit, and then she worked on creating the... Oh, she was a Republican for quite a while. Like, yeah. most of her life, she was a yeah, Republican. But I, but I think she was... Uh, oh, was she a Republican politician or not, is what oh, I'm trying no. to figure out. Oh, no. No, no, no. no. Okay, No, yeah. she, she, she was a um, academic. Yeah, no, I knew she was uh, an academic, a law academic. Uh, but yeah, uh, the first that I remember... <clears throat> or the the earliest thing of hers that I've kind of consistently heard about is her efforts to set up the uh, the Financial Safety Commission or whatever under the Obama administration, which I guess was about 10 years ago. But I reckon she's been in it for a little bit longer than that. Could be wrong. Uh, anyway, she's in there. She's making fewer unforced errors uh, than she used to. She had, you know, the the... Native American. <clears throat> Native American identity. Uh, disaster. Yeah, absolute <clears throat> fucking catastrophe of a move. Uh, big structural Bailey. I don't know if you heard about that. The giant <laughs> fucking inflatable dog that they set up because her dog's name is Bailey and her catchphrase is big, big structural, structural change. Yeah, so I heard that, about big structural Bailey. Yeah, there's yeah. that video of the crowd chanting big structural Bailey, big structural Bailey, which is the closest that you get to 
perfectly mimicking the behavior of some satanic cult out in the fucking desert while their leader goes and hugs this giant dog. I think that was the last really terrible fucking move that she did, and that's a few months ago now. But, uh, yeah, she's still she's still doing the same thing. She's our best hope outside of Sanders, but she's uh, she represents a continuation of the liberal Look, I mean, what project. we will get from Warren <clears throat> is a better... Uh, we will get a more equitable system of, like, income distribution from capital. Yeah. There will be a crackdown on corruption and poor practice in the business sector. Yeah. The problem is that all she's going to be doing is fine-tuning and tweaking. Yeah. And for that to really make an impression, you have to keep voting her in forever. Yeah, yeah. That is um, that is kind of the problem. My it's problem like, with her is that, that yeah, well, the same problem that I guess the left have at large. She's not a structural change guy. No, despite her big structural change thing, what yeah. she wants to do is increase the tax on uh, millionaires and billionaires, and it's... 2012, she became a senator. Okay, so that's like, yeah, 15 rather than 10, but you were pretty close to being on the money. Eagle-eared listeners will notice uh, just how bad I am at basic mathematics. Uh, Confusing. Seven years for 15. I'm a fucking dumbass. But uh, anyway, yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you know, her policies like the two cent tax and stuff is good. Her Medicare thing sucks, but is potentially the best of the candidates who aren't Sanders. I don't know. She's there. She's there as a really bad backup option if we absolutely need it. But you're right in that it'll just be a continuation. It'll be like a really muted version of the FDR bet against socialist revolution. And then within another 10 or 15 years, we'll have, I don't know. Uh, she's fundamentally she has never lost her faith in market economics yeah um she shifted to democratic in the mid 90s because she felt safer with the clintons as economic managers it's not a not a coincidence that her uh team change coincides with the the great adoption of neoliberal policy by yeah left-wing the new left yeah yeah so there's her there's uh uh, let's talk about Pete Buttigieg, who's the scary, the scariest option. It's fucking wild. Slinking up, Pete. <clears throat> there, there, there's, <clears throat> I, I think, very little chance of Pete Buttigieg dropping out. He's not going to drop out. He's, um, but he's not going to win. He's not. He's probably not going to win. But it really depends on what happens with Biden, because Biden at some point will have to drop out. I believe, just because he's not getting healthier. He's fucking mad as a shithouse rat. His <laughs> eyes bleed out of nowhere on stage. If he if he's the nomination, he loses the election because there's no way he can stand up against Trump, although I'm with... Unless his in- son runs as VP. <laughs> yeah, Hunter. Well, yeah. I would take I- Hunter Biden presidency over anyone the Republicans are going to fucking throw up. Yeah, true, soon. but... For an electorate that's, like, deeply disaffected with the level of corruption in Washington, (laughs) I don't think having the fucking, having your heir, your definitely corrupt heir, as cool as Hunter Biden is, I'm on board with the the aesthetics of it, for sure. Uh, Yeah. So Biden has to drop out at some point. The two, the two, the branching path there is he just gets the nomination based on establishment, uh, 
power and they lose the election. But if he drops out, I think that there's a real risk of his support going to uh, Buttigieg. I don't think he's likely to win, but it's a possibility that kind of can't be ignored. Uh, Look, I suppose I shouldn't dismiss him too readily, given the history of impossible candidates of late. And he is the most sinister option, definitely more possible than Trump was. Yeah, I I think he's the most sinister option of the frontrunners right now. Uh, I think Biden is the most insulting option uh, to the people. Warren is, yeah, just like a likely kind of compromise thing. I think she's likely to be popular, but not accomplish anything and and not fight back against the rise of this fucking insane reactionary fascist element. Uh, Buttigieg is the scary one to me because he's like uh, a fucking, quote, not CIA guy whose like whole thing has just been uh, American psycho pursuit american psycho is not the right comparison but he's like just spent his entire life going to fucking afghanistan and working for that mckinsey uh consulting group yes he was a mckinsey boy even if he's not involved in the worst things that mckinsey done has done which is terrible fucking that would be our own greg hunt i believe oh nice mckinsey are responsible for like wealth extraction in war-torn countries and uh like uh, the the big thing that came out was their work with ICE on the detention camps yeah. where they recommended cutting food and water rations to detainees, which even ICE people thought was a bit rough, which is fucking wild because these are the same people that run Mc- guys down on the border with their fucking trucks. McKinsey is also one of these companies <clears throat> who like makes Christmas parties as awful as possible. I uh, had the one of my favorite things about yeah. the service industry is that sometimes I have to teach people from like McKinsey how to bowl and supervise them while they're right. bowling and yeah. serve them drinks behind the bar. Mm. And McKinsey literally had a um, soft drinks only bar tab. Fucking <laughs> hell! Yeah, right. Well, you got to admire the cost cutting there. Uh, the funny thing is that like. And, and Mayor Pete was, like, a pretty, you know, he was a young man when he was doing all of this, so he wasn't the architect of any of these things. But he worked for this company who's mostly notorious for doing monstrous shit, monstrous consulting work, mm. uh, particularly in, like, the Middle East and, and war-torn places. Pete was in Canada working for McKinsey, advising on pricing, I think is how he put it. This happened to coincide with the Great Bread price-fixing scandal in Canada, which I wasn't aware of. But That sounds like one of the most Canadian political yeah, right? crises ever. Yeah, yeah. It, it came out that these- That's even lamer than <clears throat> our ones. Yeah. But also very Also kind very of fucking serious, resi- because yeah. poor people need access to fucking bread. Yeah. It's a really it's, important staple. Because it's the staple. <laughs> but, like, it is 100% just aesthetically the most- Canadian fucking thing in the world that these companies were conspiring uh, this one in particular but a bunch of companies were conspiring to raise the price of bread uh, over the course of like 20 years or something like that. So mm. Mayor Pete's a cartel man basically is is a concern that we've got. Yeah and he I, might be a junior cartel man but he's a cartel when man When he joined there was a lot of optimism around Mayor Pete. You, yeah. Why? Do you he's, any idea why that was? Is uh, it because he's like a sort of American <clears throat> Trudeau sort of character? Yeah, yeah. He's like 
charismatic enough, I guess, if you are kind of blind to the wily ways of the reptile. Uh, he's extreme. He's very well Boris educated. Prime Minister. Yeah, it's called he- Boris. <laughs> <laughs> he's a. Uh, He's very well educated. He says he can speak seven languages. I think that some of that seems is like a foolish to be... thing to admit to an American electorate. I would not yeah. be pretending to. But know. this is the thing: he's going for like the elite uh, Democrat kind of elitist spirit kind of thing. He served in the military, which a lot of people in America like for some reason. Uh, they he's, really do. <clears throat> he's a married gay dude, so he represents both traditional values and progressive values. And his husband's name is Chasten. Is Chasten. Yeah, like Chasten. Like, I've been chastened by something. I've That's been made more chaste. Like one of those is, um, 17th century Puritan names. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a fucking 100% like a weird old new American kind yeah. of fucking Hello, thing. I'm without Christ, thou wouldst be damned, <laughs> yeah, Johnson. Yeah. It's, a fucking, it's a Terry Pratchett joke, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he's like got dogs and stuff. So like that's and he's the 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 first sort of serious millennial candidate. So like he hit he checks a bunch of like purely non-political uh boxes. And and the establishment love him because he's a company man like. Yeah, he, of course. He works for them. He he's very good at the um progressive presentation and regressive policy. Yeah. yeah. Or at least static policy. Yeah, well, his policy is all all shit house. His Medicare thing is Medicare for all who want it, which yeah, is not Medicare for all. Yeah, and he he's he's done that thing limited universal application. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yes, you know that you can have an infinite set of infinite sets within a larger <laughs> infinite set. It's all quite uh, complex. Uh, but yeah, he he trotted out that fucking line when. Uh, Sanders said something about fucking people losing their jobs and that meaning that they lose their insurance or whatever. And he was like, well, if we just eliminate private insurance completely, then everybody in the private insurance industry loses their job. And it's like, well, firstly, you do have to pay a price to excise cancer. Uh, Secondly, that's probably the smallest occupation in America. How many people work in private insurance in America? A lot, because it's a fucking bloated industry, but, like... Yeah, but in terms of, like, people who don't have transferable skills, people who are just, like... Well, that's the really I'm an insurance guy, that's all I do. That's nobody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that is the salient point, is that with the expansion of Medicare, they can just go straight over there. And insurance workers themselves, like, of the lower levels, have said that, like, they've done billing for private insurance companies and they've done billing for Medicare cases... Medicare is better. Like they yeah. prefer it. It's it's less monstrous. It's less work. It's, it's less much more complex. straightforward. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, Buttigieg is is one to watch out for. And if you've seen, uh, there's there's the a few instances of this, but one particular thing where a young supporter, a young Sanders supporter, I think, is asking him if he'll commit to taking money out of politics. And he's like listening to the kid and then he just goes, no, and shakes his head and walks off and stuff. He's got a bunch of those little like slightly exterior cracking, like psycho brain showing. Oh, that's good. Uh, yeah. If uh, history is anything to go by, that won't hurt his chances in the slightest. Mm. And of course, when we have the big fella. And and our boy Sanders, who's been fucking kicking goals lately. He's been he doing seems- tremendously well. 
he seems in a in a field which seems to like really force people to fuck up like even Corbin who I like tremendously made a bunch of sort of strategic errors and stuff some of which we talked about and some of which we didn't but Sanders is just unstoppable he stays on brand he's been doing it for like 60 fucking million years uh deeply believes in what he's pushing yeah and his his uh aggression and stuff is ramping up which like in a good not sketchy way but in a in a good way actually holding people to account uh and his fucking like press game is only improving over time yeah so his his big moment at the last debate which was a few days ago was uh somebody asking him about <clears throat> uh the money and politics question and he he just said like joe is a good friend of mine he is he is a good friend he has 44 billionaires backing his campaign Pete, you've only got 39. We know that you're a young, enthusiastic, energetic guy, so we look forward to seeing if you can catch up to Joe. And then he's like, and I have zero. Uh, and, and, like, just destroyed them on stage in that way. Destroyed might be too big of a word. But he's just like, he doesn't have to prevaricate. He doesn't have to avoid anything. His great strength at the moment is that he actually believes because in Because he policy. has a history of having done the right thing and espousing yeah. what he believes in. He can just answer questions. Yeah, he's absolutely untouchable on this and uh and he's getting really good at all of the shit that people criticized probably rightfully about his 2016 campaign in terms of like class reductionism in terms of being a bit uh kind of uh wobbly on race issues and stuff like well, that. i was gonna say he's got the squad on board <clears throat> he's got the squad on board He's got fucking Killer Mike on board from uh, Does he? Run the Jewels. If you and and Killer Mike is doing some great fucking like town hall speeches and stuff. If you find some of those uh, videos of him talking to to the community, and it's like got a little bit of that Fred Hampton kind <laughs> of vibe to it, just really clearly and articulately kind of getting the message across. His support is the most racially diverse and gender diverse of anybody in the campaign. So like all of those criticisms have kind of fallen away and it's literally only the withholding of uh wealthy white people that means that he's not the clear front runner <clears throat> he's polling well uh, like in the lead in sort of iowa and and california so he's positioned well to win uh at least a couple of the first few primaries and if he does that then the momentum really takes off i, I think one of corbin <laughs> one of sanders weaknesses mm in the initial nominations round mm. um, back in, yeah, it was 2016. Yeah. Was um, well, uh, 2015. A lot of it was, of it was happening shit, in 2015, yeah. In any case. But the primary took place in 2016. One of his big weaknesses was that I think so few people in the electorate could believe that he was real. That, yeah. Like, there was actually this guy saying what he was saying, offering what he was offering. I yeah. think there was just this real, like brain fail on behalf of democratic party voters who were just like we don't you're not yeah i uh, sorry i've just voted for hillary i don't know what happened <laughs> yeah and like the start oh like until like halfway actually into the primaries his main purpose in running was to show people that he was real that there was this yeah potential the same reason um, corbyn stood was just yeah. to remind the voters yeah. that like the dream isn't dead. There's yeah. a candle out here. And it fucking blew up. And now there are tons of these, like, extremely uh, strong, 
progressive socialist voices in American politics that have been elected just off the back of his only halfway through serious primary campaign in 2016. Absolutely. So we- um, and, I, and I think that now that America's had time to like come to terms with Sanders, mm. he's a massively more serious threat to the establishment yeah. of the party than he was when he first ran. Massively, exponentially more powerful. Yeah, yeah. He's broken uh, fundraising records all over the shop. Like most uh, donors at this point in a primary campaign, he smashed that record. Uh, most money raised uh, by small donations, I think, in uh, in that same period of time. He obviously can't compete with the billionaire money, but he doesn't need doesn't to. Like, need he to. can. He can fund his own campaign fully just off the back of small uh, donations, and they just keep rolling in. Something that was really heartening to see uh, in the wake of the UK election loss was like about six hours maybe of despair from Americans who were really holding out for a success in the UK to indicate something uh, positive and hopeful to them. They, they sort of wallowed in it for about six hours and then people started donating to his campaign and, yeah. sh- and sharing screenshots of their donations and his fucking donations keep going. Well, so and they don't have a Brexit analogue to yeah, queer their pitch. They don't have a Brexit and they've people have tried already to use the anti-Semitism thing on Bernie, but it's obviously not working because firstly, Cause he's, he's Jewish. Jew. It's Jewish. His, fa- his father's family was like it's decimated in the Holocaust. Holocaust survivors, that's right. Uh, well, no, not, not obviously not, not all survivors. His father yeah. is a Holocaust survivor. Yeah. It's f- one of the fascinating things about being Jewish on the left mm. is obviously I didn't think Jeremy Corbyn was anti-Semitic. Yeah. But I wasn't surprised that there were revelations of anti-Semitism in the left because there's yeah. always been anti-Semitism on the left. And yeah. one of the really interesting anti-Semitic left bits is as Jews, we are Jewish when is convenient for us to be Jewish yeah. and white when it is convenient for us to be white. It's yeah. really interesting to see the way the left equivocates on that yeah. particular identity point. And Sanders mm. has got so much of it. Mm. He has just been like white coated yeah. <laughs> completely 100%. by the center left of the democratic party. Yeah. Yeah. They're like an old white man and he's getting up there and he's being like, you want to hear something? <laughs> like he's the most Jewish sounding fucking dude. He's got, and I know that this is all just like external just aesthetics. Permanently and got a fucking half-eaten bagel in his pocket. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, My fuck. wife packs this for me. Yeah, I keep losing the bag. <laughs> <laughs> Don't yeah. know what happens to it. Boy, the traffic on the way here. I keep fucking defaulting into like an Italian American thing for some reason. Because I'm trying. New to York's do a big pot, big yeah. melting pot. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, he's an extremely Jewish man. Like, not religiously, but culturally, he's yeah, an extremely 100%. Jewish dude. So the anti-Semitism stuff, I, I don't think is going to stick. And, like, there was a moment where it's like, they could make this shit stick on anybody. But whatever that lever is, they haven't found it, because it was socialist. But Americans want socialism now. Yeah, below a certain age, Absolutely. it's overwhelmingly popular. It's difficult to remember how hard it was so recently to use the word socialism in America. Yeah, yeah. And it really is, like, no one person is down to it. But the Bernie Sanders run did, like, rip a big Mm. hole in that kind of psychological barrier the Americans had about socialism. Yeah, and consequently, like, loosened the American hold on the world a little bit. Uh, It did, yeah. But, like... 
speaking about like reflections and shit, we were talking about all of that high school bullshit before, but like looking back and reflecting on something and just being able to see it more for what it was, Howard Dean tanked his fucking 2004, I think, primary run because he got excited. Like, do you remember that? Yeah. Where he's like, we're going to Georgia. We're going to South Carolina. We're going to California. And then we're going all the way to the White House. Ah! <laughs> he yeah, gave that right. weird bjar. Except yours was far more restrained. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His sounds like the Wilhelm scream. I didn't it was wanna... so weird. <laughs> yeah. It was very funny, but it legitimately fucked up his primary yeah, run. Yeah. It was extraordinary. And like- It was like the Ed Miliband bacon sandwich moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now we've got fucking, yeah, the, the crotchety old fucking Jewish socialist grandpa that is just- teflon to these fucking things and everybody always talks like uh this was a big thing back in 2016 and it's only slowly been losing power as a talking point but people saying oh you think that when he's the nominee that there isn't going to be like a bunch of really hectic oppo shit that the republicans are going to run it's like Motherfucker, you've been trying this shit for for fucking years now and none of it is sticking because it's like, oh, he did his he did his honeymoon in the Soviet Union and he took his shirt off and sung the fucking international <laughs> or whatever and everybody's just like, fuck yeah. Yeah, seems like a pretty normal thing for a socialist to do, honestly. <laughs> yeah, and it's like- that's You guys most- have honeymooned in capitalist hellscapes. Don't pretend you yeah. haven't. <laughs> yeah, it's- Or have it's, none it's- of you ever gone on a pleasure trip to Dubai? <laughs> yeah. And it's better, it's fucking, I would way rather watch that footage of him singing This Land Is Our Land, This Land Is Your Land with that fucking group of young Russian people than have Hillary Clinton come on fucking TikTok and be like, just chilling in Cedar Rapids. This is the thing, right? So in Britain, Mm. the right are really good at smearing genuine progressives. They're really good at it. In America, they're terrible. The, the, the riots yeah. are great at smearing centrists. They tear them apart like the weak pieces of shit that they are. Yeah. But they have never have anything they, don't they can have land. And one of the reasons, I think, it. is because to succeed as a progressive in America, you have to have already survived all of that shit from your own side. Yeah, essentially. yeah. Essentially. You've made it through the Democrats' filtering process, and there's nothing left for the right to throw at you yeah. by that point. Well, the primary... Like, how valuable would that have been for, like, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? She had to fucking beat the Democratic incumbent in that district in New York, and she copped so much shit. So much. And everything the right have done to try and undermine her has just made her more prominent, more important. Yeah. You know? More popular. And, by the way, um, while we've got AOC, Mm. after the Venezuela fiasco, she was really good on Bolivia. I just want to say, she called the coup immediately. Very proud. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. She's she's consistently good. The Venezuela thing, like they've everybody's had a, a, a little slip or whatever, but yeah, she's she's consistent. She's real. Like there was a period of time where we kind of, or I at least thought that maybe the establishment would get their hooks in her or whatever. There was a, the suggestion that the squad might endorse Warren or whatever. Well, I was just imagining myself trying to navigate yeah. that landscape with the like level of life experience that I have at thirty, and yeah. I was just anxious for it. Yeah, I was yeah. Like, Fuck you, are young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're dealing with psychopaths who've been doing this for longer than you've been alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, she's tearing them apart. She's she's doing good. And, like, yeah, being probably a bartender in New York is quite good 
Definitely training. for handling psychopaths, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, the primary thing is another thing. Sanders was also really good on Bolivia. They had him on that uh, uh, Latin American, maybe, TV station had him on a program. Or they had some, uh, maybe it was an American TV program. I don't know. And the guy was like, people are calling it a coup. Do you, do you uh, think that it's a coup? And Sanders just did like a, a really like basic point by point breakdown of what constitutes a coup. And yeah. he was like, that sounds like a coup to me. 100% in a obviously sort of, a coup. In a s- Has the army unilaterally taken control of the country? Yes. Yeah. Why is this a conversation we're having? Yeah. He did all of the good stuff, like we can argue about whether it was smart for Morales to pursue the constitutional amendment. We can argue about whether it was smart for him to pursue another term, uh, whether it would have been good to wait for those elections that he called on or whatever. We can argue about all of this stuff. But the fact remains that despite all of that, then a coup happened. Yeah. And that's the that's the issue. He's so good at like fucking staying on brand and being uncompromising. So... I don't know, man. I've got a real fucking... And I know that I get idealistic and optimistic. There was a part of me that thought he could win the primary in 2016. No, he could have. Like, he could have. He really could have. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's far more likely now. He's in a, a much stronger position. If it, the first primaries are in February, I think, Iowa and I believe South Carolina that is and correct. Nevada. Uh and then there's one other one. I don't know. There's too many fucking states in that country. Uh, yes, there are. He's doing really well in all of the fucking polls. He's probably going to win Iowa. If he wins the Iowa caucus straight up, like, that puts him in such a strong position. If he takes... I think there's four. If he takes two or three of those primaries, like, he'll be the front runner, the front runner. Uh, and it's just good that those are the states that are there because none of the other candidates have a really strong foothold. Uh, Biden has a strong foothold everywhere, inexplicably, just because of his the sheen of the Obama years and the weight of the support behind him. But it's so weird that there's still a sheen from the Obama years. Like, I'd have thought there would have been enough time for reflection now, even if there wasn't enough time, frankly, while he was president. Yeah, yeah. But honest to God, it just because went. Trump is, like, worse doesn't... yeah. <laughs> It, it may never happen, honestly. It, People it, still think JFK was a great president. He almost mm. blew the fucking world up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there is a final JFK adjacent point that I want to make uh, just after this. But like, the, my point is that the only state that Biden has a really strong foothold in, I think, is South Carolina because he's very popular with black voters because, you know, he's Obama's mate. Yeah. Or whatever. But it's not... An insurmountable lead. Firstly, that's just one one state of the first four. It's not a be-all-end-all thing by any means. And also, like, Sanders is doing the best amongst black voters. I was about to say, other candidates, black so. voters are a very, like, complex demographic. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, insanely so. But, like, Warren and Buttigieg don't have the support there. Buttigieg has, like, a 0% support base. That'll... That'll be the thing that fucking kills him. He won't be mm. able to win. Uh, well, he should have shown based off of the that. minorities that he could speak one of those languages, like what worked so well for. I've already forgotten his name, O'Rourke. Yeah. Oh fucking yeah, Beto. Yeah. Robert. <laughs> his name is Robert. Really, Francis O'Rourke. What is Beto? Where does is 
It's a nickname that was given to him when he was young. What? But it's it's that's just it's it's far too close. This is such an obvious mm. point. I think no one's bothered to make it. It's way mm. too close to the word beta to be used for a like yeah, politician. A lot of people running in a fucking toxic masculinity country like America. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely. A, I mean, that would just be Trump's nickname for him, Beta O'Rourke. Yeah. Uh, Little Beta. It was such a fucking. I was talking like, with Little Beta. He mm. was speaking Spanish. I thought he was staff. Yeah. <laughs> fucking it, it, the the optics. Uh, I hate the the focus on this shit as much as the next person, but I don't deny their importance. The optics of a tall Irish American dude calling himself Beto and speaking Spanish as the. 2020 fucking democratic nominee blows my mind as as a as a bad move. <laughs> this is the thing. Sanders isn't going to get up there and be like how's it tripping y'all? He's not going to fucking like do a bonics. He's not going to try and pander to Spanish voters by speaking Spanish or by being like oh, I was talking to me Tia the other day and she <laughs> fucking made me some free holidays or whatever. He's not going to try and pull that shit. He starts doing the Castilian. No, that would be that would be um, Joe Biden. He starts <laughs> yeah. speaking like Castilian Spanish. No one can tell what the fuck is going on. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Anyway, that's the uh, a bit of a shambolic end. But that's the state of the primary at the yeah. moment. There's there's serious cause to be optimistic. It's not a, a done deal by any stretch. But- no, I think Sanders has a much better chance than mm. uh, Jez did because, and I think the big difference is uh, lack of Brexit. American yeah, voters yeah. have a single kind of crisis to focus on, mm. um, whereas British voters had a combination of leaving Europe and also their country collapsing, yeah. which was obviously, based on the results, too much to handle in one sitting. Yeah, yeah. A bit too big of a meal, so to speak. Ironically, because people have less and less to eat. Less there. and less to eat. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's I was talking to like governments should spend money. I was talking to Stuart about it, old mate. Ah, uh, yes. Old mate Stuart, who's uh, Scottish. And his, I think his mum is from Belfast. So he's like very much of that kind of old uh, labour yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of mentality. Uh, and he was just like talking about something that I hadn't considered, how excited he was to see people's reactions when it was when they couldn't get pineapples anymore when it starts costing fucking £10 for a bunch of bananas because they don't have uh, good trade deals with anybody. I don't know if that'll happen or not, but... Uh, like See those little fucking... Unfortunately, muscles. the people who switched from Labour to back Johnson mm. will be the first ones to get <laughs> fucked uh, hugely. It will happen. Yeah. Like, years ago, I was petty enough that I would have relished the schadenfreude of that. Mm. But the reality of it being humans' lives ending uh, is too much for me these I, days. I'm, I'm, trying really, to main, I'm trying to maintain a balance like, between those I two I no things. longer take that level of pleasure. I just, it just feels sad for them. I'm still petty. I feel sad for them as well. It's like it's I feel sad for people who did not vote for Johnson and are going to get massively yeah. fucked by what's happening. Yeah, of course. Like the innocent people, I feel much sadder for them. Yeah, but I still don't take pleasure in the suffering of the fools. Yeah. I really don't. I think the thing that takes the sting out of the joy for me, although I will, I, I enjoy a little bit of Schadenfreude, uh, but they never learn. 
you never get that moment of just desserts comeuppance uh and and then revelation like people didn't understand that leave winning there was like a little bit of remorse in the wake of the brexit vote but then they didn't understand that leave winning that vote and the subsequent shitstorm that that kicked off is like the reason for the current climate yeah. of British oh, for politics. Sure. So I, I, one of the podcasts I listen to from the political centre of Britain is called Romaniacs. Yeah. And that is lots of um, educated, clever people who want Britain to stay in the EU. Mm. And they're absolute libs, like, to the bottom. Yeah. And they literally... There were, there were two things that fucked them. They couldn't wrap their heads around one. One was that maybe a majority of people in the UK wanted to leave the European Union. Yeah. And two, that there would be maybe reasons for that. Yeah. That aren't immediately accessible to the urban middle class mm. in London. Yeah. Which was a big problem with the American election as well. It was a big problem with the election here. Is not that there aren't, like racist, mean, petty bores in the population, because there absolutely are. But th- that that sort of reaction might be anchored in fucking material things that people don't... Oh, fucking hell, years and years. Did you watch that? That fucking SBS miniseries? Oh, it wasn't, no. It after... wasn't an SBS miniseries. <clears throat> SBS, played SBS played it. Uh, after all of the build-up to years and years... This broadcast when I was, um, Robin and I were, were pausing our mm. sort of relationship and moving house and stuff. So, no, I did not. I recommend that you watch it because I'm but very I curious to, to hear. Watch I it. fucking hated that show. And it because it's like a show about politics, but fucking Russell T. Davies, is that his name? The guy who used to run Yeah, for he did Doctor Who. He was the showrunner for Doctor Who. Yeah, so it's his his baby. Years oh, and years. okay. Because I wasn't... And it's like... I've never been crazy about Russell T. Davies writing. Me neither. He's not as bad as Stephen Moffat, but he's... He is he's, not as bad as Stephen Moffat. He's... Uh, that is definitely true. <laughs> yeah, I'm, sh- I'm sure that... Russell T. Davies would not have wasted Peter Capaldi like that. That mm. is for fucking sure. I didn't watch any of the Peter Capaldi Doctor Who. Yeah, good, because he was wasted, completely wasted. Yeah. Anyway, my point, years and years, is, is from this, like, lib perspective, like, to the core. So it's this, like, quite privileged fucking... I don't know Russell T. Davies' background, but obviously he's comfortable at the moment because it's, like no understanding of the of the causes of all of this fucking turmoil so it's just this world in which privileged people are mystified as fascism extrudes out of the i guess natural stupidity of the human population and it tries a couple of times to be self-aware about it but it just fails completely it's just there's never any an analysis in this show about political analysis. And then the conclusion is the most like idealistic fucking fuzzy thinking thing I think I've ever seen. Uh, but anyway, I recognize that from mm. Russell's writing. Mm. Uh, I will have a look at it though. Yeah. I want to, I, I want to talk about it with you on this fucking show. Cause it's, it's fuck. It's an interesting one for sure. I'll see if I can find some praxis in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that's that's it. We've done our We've three. Done our Australia, Christmas, fucked. Britain, fucked. fucked. The US, fucked, but glimmer of hope. Glimmer of hope, which we'll may see. then trickle down to the, her satellite, 
states. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a whole would be nice. a whole fucking water fight, even if Sanders wins. But I don't know. No, no, it's not. Sanders winning is not the victory. It's just the beginning of the actual fight. Yeah. Yeah. I it's- wish life had a more conventional narrative structure, guys. I do, but it just <laughs> yeah. doesn't. And I can't yeah. make it. I've tried. Yeah. That's the that's the qualifying. It's just round. one it's- fucking thing after another. What do you want from me? <laughs> Karen, end this recording. Uh, all right. But if you want to email us, you can email us at weaknessforbleakness at gmail.com. Uh, there's a new Leonardo's Robot EP out, although it's probably, it's not really that new at this point, but I'll put a song from that on the end of this. It's called Sure Boss, I Know. That's the EP title. I'll put the, I'll put the, the, the song that that comes from, uh, uh, up there. Cause it's about, uh, telling your bus to fuck off, which is good. And there's, uh, another album pretty much done. So there'll probably be some news about that soon as well. Some, some Leonardo's robot shit coming down the pipe. Uh, you can follow the show at Week for Bleak on Twitter if for some reason you want to watch a, a, a ghost town do nothing but post about the episode that you've already listened to. Uh, yeah, that's it. Do you want to say anything before we go? Sorry. <laughs> Merry Christmas, fuck the term happy holidays. I'm a proud Christian boy and you can't prove otherwise. Happy Hanukkah. Yeah, happy Hanukkah, happy holidays generally. Happy Kwanzaa is a thing that I'm so not educated about. I don't know the traditions about of it Kwanzaa. That I always feel fucking, uh, not that I do it, but it feels gross to append on there. But on the off chance, you know, whatever. Have a good one. Enjoy the end of your year. We'll see you in 2020, I guess. Well, you'll hear us in 2020. Yeah. If you want to keep listening. We don't need you. We can just talk. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Fuck off.
it's not 